and talking to our friends. Hello, oh, everyone. Welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Matt Trackbine. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hey. Oh, doing all right. Well, I like how we're back pretending like we haven't been talking for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> about nothing. No, we've oh. just been sitting here in silence yeah. for the last hour. Yeah. yeah, we've got a little catching up to do, so... Anyway, the first thing I want to do is thank Roz Radke for the awesome art that he sent yeah, us. Yeah, Roz Radke, wow. Oh, yeah. Book club yeah. member. I, wow, sent, I shared that over the break, and yeah. it was really amazing as we were opening the thing and revealing all the... There were three different portraits in there. We were just freaking I, out. I, yeah, yeah I, uh, we had quite a moment here. What the fuck? Yeah, it was These really are original cool. paintings. Yeah. These are watercolor paintings. Like They're really nice. In our hands, it was... Yeah. And uh, they were pretty sweet, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he even drew Lobster Johnson on the envelope, which I thought was pretty cool. That was yeah, cool too, nice yeah. little touch there. No, so. but just beautiful. He was like, "Oh, I haven't painted in a while. Here are some fucking stunning, amazing <laughs> portraits." We're just like, "What?" Every artist that's worth their salt is like that, though. They're always like, "I'm the worst," and their right. stuff is fucking incredible. And you're just like, "I can't believe you gave this to me. This is worth several hundred dollars." It's so, really nice. Yeah. yeah. And he said on Twitter, glad you like them. I've been wanting to practice watercolors for a while. I've gotten too used to that undo button drawing digitally. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, I know. So you, you've I really been drawing identify digitally. With that. <laughs> and I think, Matt, you do some digital as well, right? Yes. That's how I'm able to churn out comics, especially when I'm doing a strip that's like off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. Like you use it for some things. For some things, it's it's preferable. And then for other things, you're like. I got to fucking actually right. yeah. paint this and draw mm-hmm. this. So like I'll commit myself to these shows, these like gallery shows or whatever. And so like it forces me to actually keep using quote unquote old media, like actual right, media, right. like paint brushes and pencils and shit. But man, that digital is so fucking incredible. Like you can just do whatever and the, you know, like procreate yeah, or whatever, the undo shit. And, but it's not just undo, it's the, all the different textures. And anyway, I'll, I'll go on forever about yeah. this if you let me. Oh, I like to do my roughs or like rough layouts digitally. So, like, if I'm doing something traditionally by hand with pencil or pen and ink, I'll always start digitally because yeah. there's no reason to, to not expedite the process as much as sure. possible. Sure. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot yeah, of sense. Absolutely. And it's, I don't understand the aversion to this. Because it's not like you can't like when I like when I'm screen printing, like I'll do a design, right? And then I'll scan it and I'll go in and I'll paint over it. The layers make it so easy to do all the different screens. Each layer is a screen. Right, right. You make it opaque, bam, print and you get the transparencies, you make the screens. It's so fucking easy. But then like everyone's like, Oh, you have to draw your screens by hand or you're not a real whatever the fuck and it's like yeah, I still did the art. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, this is a good segue to. I wanted to talk about that piece that you did, Matt. So we all saw that commission that you did for Ryan Yule over the break. Yeah, amazing. That was and fucking amazing. You put so many characters in there, in, in there, including the Matt version that's in the in all the strips that you did for BPRD. Yeah, yeah. Which I stared I at that really for enjoyed. a good long while. Yeah. yeah. So what was your process in doing that piece? So he, so Ryan contacted me and said you know, do you do commissions? And I was like, sure. You know, for one character, it's like, takes this long, it costs this much. And he goes, well, I, I was thinking more like as many characters as possible. Yes. <laughs> and he, he gave me that example that Magnolia just did right before the Hellboy movie came out. Right. 
the New York and, City uh, Comic Con print. Yeah, and and I was like, yeah, I could definitely do something like that. Uh, and and I mentioned I was always bent that he left Roger out of that piece. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Wow. Right? Why would you? Why would you do that? Why would you leave him out? It just seemed so. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, so. So he said, well, you should rectify that and put yourself in it and make it funny somehow. So um, just great. make a joke. Just make it a funny <laughs> joke. And then you're yeah, done. So, so right away, I was like, oh, man, where do I start? So I just started. So with with projects that could be potentially big or time consuming, I just drop everything and and kind of figure it out. Yeah. And, and then you're, you're hunched over for 12 hours at a time. You're like, maybe I should well, eat food. So then it was so fun. Because I was like, oh, I'll draw this guy, I'll draw this guy, I'll put all these people over here for this reason, and maybe people will see the connection between all these Aww. people over here for another reason. And then I was like, okay, so with, I think it was a couple hours, I was like, all right, Ryan, look, I did some roughs. What do you think? And he goes, let's do it. So That's awesome. I, I don't really know how much time went by. I feel like it was like a couple of days. Right. It was done. Yeah. Two or three days top. It was all you done. You cranked it out really quick. You yeah, were giving me excellent. updates as you were doing it, and it seemed like it was going really fast. Yeah. When people get was... fucking excited about something and they put their minds to it, they can just, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. But if it's like, oh, I gotta well, do this thing. And Ugh. I was getting emails for other jobs, and I was like, yes. I'm on it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and we're like, Ugh. and this is kind of kind of silly recording and putting it over the air, but whatever. I, I got no, everything happens. done in time. It happens. But, just but because like, you're oh, taking I'm commissions, on it. don't worry. Yo, if, if just because you're taking commissions, you have you know that you can get those done in yeah. time in a timely manner in time for the deadline. Sure. You doesn't mean you can't work on your own private personal projects. If you know how to manage, manage your, your time, time. Yeah. exactly. If you've yeah. got good time management skills, fucking go for it. As long as nothing's late, who gives a fuck? You're allowed to work on your own private shit in your own time. Oh yeah, totally. But but what I really like to do is um so whenever I work on a Hellboy piece and I've always wanted to talk about this, but I was waiting for getting around to backup stories, I guess. But we could talk about it now in terms of this commission. When I work on a Hellboy piece, I draw a specific character based on how my favorite artist portrayed him. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love and that. And there's, there's so many different artists to pick and choose from. Right. And, and the main reason I do that is because, like, granted, I kind of give him my own flavor well, no, but and you're talking I, about like it's in the in the spirit of yeah it, yes, inspired yes. by yeah i want i want whoever's looking at it if they're a real fan and they, they've read these comics as much as we have they're gonna go you know i don't know exactly why but i get this right and i i recognize that for some reason here's a know? fumara abe in here right so yes, you're talking about yeah yes. yeah yeah i love because it. And I, I may not even reference the image. Right, right. I may just go off memory, but I'm it's like, there's the a specific of a angle. Yeah. Right. Or like when he was looking over his shoulder and, and so I do Abe that way instead yeah. of how should I do my own Abe? You know? Right. 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 And because I think that, but that's the, what you're just describing what artists do. Like you're not plagiarizing someone's style. You're, you're right. thinking no, exactly. about the, the reasons why this particular art spoke to you and you're, you're using that for inspiration. I don't think there's anything wrong with and, that at all. And think about think about all the times Hellboy Universe artists have had to re-depict a scene from a previous Well, The issue. Watcher. We've or seen that history. so many times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, well, you want everyone to know what you're drawing. Yeah. yeah. So, and 
and plus, if I joined my own way, I'm afraid they would all just kind of be lined up in like a classic portrait or something. <laughs> right. And I, I wanted, I wanted this to feel more like excerpts of different moments from the history of these comics but it's also really organic and that's something i really appreciate about it you were sharing with me there's a really cool easter egg in there that i don't know that i would have caught to be honest if you hadn't pointed it out to me i don't think anybody caught it liz is so you mind if i talk about this no go ahead i just put it on instagram yesterday oh okay so i I didn't spot it i saw it on instagram that was so liz's cross is roger's brother is that scene right yeah, so the cross Colossus. on her, yeah, the cross on her choker ends up being the crucifix that he, that Roger's brother was like pointing to. Yeah. Remember right. when he was hooded? And he's wearing that like military overcoat or whatever it was. Yeah, so I, I really like I that. Tuck that in there because I wanted it. It's almost like a literal arrow pointing from yeah. Roger to Liz. Yeah, oh, I love right? that because yeah. because they have like a major connection. He almost killed her. Right. And then he was yeah. able to bring her back, but they had to go through this whole thing with his brother first. Right. And that's yeah. where they named him. And and there's so much history in there. It just looks so fucking like, amazing. Like and it's also can I just I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I, I'm no, struck ahead. by I'm looking at it right now. I'm struck by the composition of it as well. It's very well the balanced. Kind of cascading. It looks fantastic. Yeah, they you figure out how to draw the eye around the page and it's not you know what I mean? It's not just a bunch of stuff crammed in there. Yeah. It's really like a good word for it, like John said, organic. So anyway, sorry to mean to cut you off. I'm just Well and you, it's you can awesome. look at it. So you know, there's all these different like uh versions of the group that we've seen over the years. Yeah. Sure, sure. So Your Daimyo kind of is like, so good as well. Oh thanks. Yeah and and you know it's like how do you make like, why would Mignola draw some of these larger than others? You right. know, or, or why right. would an yeah. artist do that? And so, even if you're not in the foreground, you may be larger in scale than someone who is in the foreground. Right. And I do that just for emphasis on that was the original core group was the three of them, Abe, Hellboy, and Liz. But Johan's significant, right? You got to put him in there. Well, my eye is first drawn to Hecate, I guess, because there's so much going on above her. But like my, I guess that's just me. Also, it could be a subconscious thing. Like you could, you could delve into my psyche or whatever. I'm drawn to Hecate, and then of course the next thing I see is um, Howard's. Howard, yeah, Ted Howard's. Right. And I go up across the page here, and I see the Ogdru Jihad. Is that? The Audra Jihad, Jihad is yeah. behind the black flame, black, and black then the flame. Watcher's ship and then I come is down, behind the sledgehammer armor. I really like that. I yeah. come down in a circle, I see the flame, and I'm like, oh, Liz, oh, how boy, all those main characters, and I follow it. I just, you've you've got me following the page in a spiral almost, and it's like, I can't believe how good this fucking looks. Yeah. I mean, I can believe it, because y'all are fucking yeah, cool. awesome, but it looks fucking great. Yeah, it's yeah, my there's... phone background right now. <laughs> And and then like the lobsters saving Matt. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which, oh, yeah. Looks so which good. I think is yeah. hilarious because Matt's like, Oh my god, why is he <laughs> even there? Right? And and the lobster is like kind of like oh, God damn it, now I'm gonna have to save his dumb ass and <laughs> you, did a, you did a fantastic job yeah, y'all, really y'all did great it's really good I, oh, thanks. It. I really like the um sledgehammer fighting the buff flame there in the background and i feel like that kind of kind of tells the story a little bit because you know like the sledgehammer fought the original black flame yeah and we just read that story with the mm-hmm. buff flame being all yeah. whatever and i don't know and i follow the piece down and it's just like yeah, everything just kind of connects. It, yeah, it really does, and, it's, and it, it flows so nicely. And it, and, it br- bring, and it just opens up all the memories. A lot of these of the pages, stuff we've been reading, and yes. all that. 
It does open up the memories, and it really kind of makes me want to go back and reread everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a lot of pages like this can be such a fucking eyesore, almost like a chore to look at. And it's so hard to make it not like that. So I think, yeah, this is this is a fantastic composition this- as far as if you've got to have a billion characters on one page. <laughs> also, I love that you included OG huh. Shaman over here. And the, including also the uh, Victorian um, uh, yes. guys in yeah. the submarine. That, I mean, it, it's a beautiful piece. I sent it to Scott Allen. I sent him the, I think, the pencils. And I said, here's a commission I'm working on. The person requesting it said, put as many characters as possible in there. And he just replied in all caps, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know if that was like a good thing or a bad thing. But I was like, oh, mission accomplished. Wait, so did you you color this? I thought you were working with a colorist. That's why I kept saying y'all. That's fucking incredible. You You painted this? Digitally. Why yeah. did I not know that? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel like such a dumbass. I kept saying y'all. I was like, oh, y'all did such a great job. That's incredible. I think you do all your own colors, right? Even on the pieces that you do for the BPRD book. Mm-hmm. I guess it's yeah, just I so write those fucking... Too. You... Wow, this is really yeah, fucking really good, impressive. man. Great job. I'm so sorry. I kept <laughs> I kept yeah, referring to two people. Here. No, this is great, man. Wow, jeez. I'm double y- impressed. Y'all can be singular, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and then a nice segue also into that Anum piece I also shared that you ah, did for me. Well, I mean, you can't really take that. Oh, that was pretty awesome. Colors. Yeah, well, watercolor, it's so subtle. A lot of people really uh, gave that a lot of love online. So, yeah, thank you thank you for that. I really enjoyed that. Well, you know. Delicate yet powerful. It's not great. That's how it's, I would describe well, it. Yeah, I mean, the, the photograph isn't really good. The colors and it's a whole thing. I'm not... It's too big to scan. I couldn't scan yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where I just I kept trying to work it and rework it, and then I was just like, you know what, this one's just going to have to do because I can't paint this again. <laughs> and so I guess if I had had a chance to paint like 20, 30 more of them, I might have been able to do it justice. But anyway, thank you. You're well, too kind. I liked it. I thought it was really oh, nice. Oh, thank you. Yes. You know. <laughs> In hindsight, this is perhaps obvious, but Ryan shared with me that he has a large format scanner of his own. Ugh, amazing. Which makes total sense yes. when you think about all of the original art that oh, he has. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. And we're going to talk yeah. about that a little bit more, too. I would love one of those. I, I also really like those pages that you sold to Jerry. He shared those on the Facebook, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get to that. So that I'll was pretty you. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Book club members, I would love if we could have like a panel one day where we get all the regulars <laughs> together and we just fucking have at it. That would, would be, be great. so great. Like a town hall like Q&A? Like, well, like a picnic. We just all hang out. And we'll just like have someone recording us hanging out. Jason Avedon suggested we all go to the Salton Sea and and drink there. Okay, I'm not going there. So. <laughs> there should be a Hellboy con. There should. Oh, man, really oh should. there really should. That's an amazing idea. We're going to get into okay, it. Let's, anyway, go ahead sorry, and, uh, yeah. let's go ahead and get into our listener feedback section. Let me put my radio voice on. And get rid of all my <laughs> bitch attitude. So get out your trades and floppies. Get out your hardback copies. Digital print is fine. You can read along in time. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Nathaniel Green. And so Nathaniel Green, he was actually saying that he thinks he's going to be at Rose City Comic Con in Portland next weekend. You're going to be there too, right, oh, Matt? Oh wow! Yes, I will be there. 
Yeah, he was hoping to see, see him. Yeah, but I think he's only going to be there on Sunday, and you're going to be there on Saturday. Oh, no. And then Ross Radke is also going to be there, correct? Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah I'm going to link up with him for sure. Okay. Uh, I, I can easily meet up with anybody. You know, can, I give, like uh, can I give Nathaniel your email? Would that be cool? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do that. I so, love this. Yeah, and if anyone else is going to be there, yeah, uh, do you have like a public email that's okay to share? Yeah, the letter hack at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we'll put that in a little thing on a post, the letter hack at gmail.com. And you should definitely check out the letter hack. It's a really great podcast. Yeah, so uh, the other thing that I want to talk about, we really need to set up a way to all go to a con and record yes. an episode because what you were talking about, Matt, at this con, for example, there's going to be, what, five different people who have worked in the Mignolaverse at one uh, at one con? Six. That's six fucking people, awesome. Yeah. Including Matt, Ross, and possibly Nathaniel. That's, so like, a, that's a book club. So, like, if we were there, we could do a panel. Ugh. Where we could talk to all these people and we could actually have book club members there, which I think would be so awesome. And I would love to fucking, we've never actually met Matt. I know. Right? (laughs) And I feel like we're so close now at this point. So that's something we definitely need to do. But so you're going to be there next weekend, right, Matt? So hopefully you can like um, get some scoops for us when you come back. You can talk about like some of the people that you met and what you talked about. Is that cool? And maybe like a favorite moment thing from some series. Yeah. or or Yeah. Exactly. But uh, Gabriel Ba, Fabio Moon, Ugh. Dave Johnson, Christopher Mitten, who we've never oh. even done any Christopher we Mitten. We haven't gotten to yet, his stuff right? yet. Oh, no, yeah. we haven't. And, and we haven't done any Chris Robertson either, yeah. have we? Gabriel Ba, Fabio and then Moon, wow. Now Ryan Sook will be there. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, oh my shit. God. That's Ryan Sook's one of my favorites. If I mean, if you just, could ask them even one question, just a moment of their time, like, we would be so grateful. Yeah, that's what I'm going to try and do. Well, and aren't you also, well, I and I can cut this out if it's not okay to talk about, it, but you're also going to be hanging out with Scott Alley there, aren't you? I hope so, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have to get yeah. something published so I can go to these fucking cons. I know. Like, we, we really need to do that. So that's something <laughs> that I want to self publish that, that, some That's something I want to organize for the future. That's definitely an idea. Yeah. So I have some ideas about that. But anyway, um, so if you're going to be at Rose City Comic Con, be sure to look for Matt there or Ross Radke or Nathaniel or any of our, our pals. And hey, spread the word of the book club. That bring I haven't talked about that yet. You know, send us a review, tell a friend, share our social media posts, follow us on social media. It's easy to participate in our listener feedback. All you got to do is leave a comment or whatever. So yeah, spread the word of the book club if you're going to be there at the show. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Clayton Schofield on Twitter. He said, not sure if you're aware of this. And this thing is about to end soon. He was talking about a Kickstarter from Richard Corbin. Richard Corbin has done a lot of the Hellboy stories. Here's a great opportunity to receive a long out-of-print story and also see issues that have never been collected before. It's called The Mutant World and Son of Mutant World by Richard Corbin. So yeah, go check out that Kickstarter if you want to support that. Cool. We also got a Hey You Damn Guys from Brian Levy. He said, I love the Reign of the Black Flame. That's a story that we, the last book club episode that we had. Every single page has something amazing on it. The storytelling is great. The characterization is perfect. It's scary. And most importantly, it's really fun. I think that's a testament to James Heron's art. There's something about his style that's just fun. It's so engaging. Even when you're looking at a monster cloaca, it just rolls. <laughs> You can stare at it forever. It's been a while since this book has been allowed to be this fun. And I think that for as much as I like the serious stuff, 
I think there's way more crowd-pleasing stories in this arc. Like the back half of The Plague of Frogs, where I feel the BPRD's real element is. That's not to say that there isn't anything heavy going on here. Obviously, the Prospect Park scene is about as sad as the series gets. But there's also pages and pages of monsters and cavemen and hyenas and superhero fights. It's great. Yeah, so thank you, Brian. It's good to hear from you again. And um, yeah, we're going to have some more feedback on our Reign of the Black Flame episode. When I posted the teaser, Todd Biala said, These are fantastic covers. I really love Ryan Sook's variant to 118. But all the variants are really fantastic. And so I shared some of those. I actually have that Ryan Sook variant. Ryan Yule said, Hey you damn guys, I wanted to share some amazing James Heron pages from the second issue of Reign of the Black Flame where Agent Howard goes full madman, yeah. slicing and dicing every Zinko agent in sight in order to capture Leopold Kurtz. I love this sequence so much. And so, yeah, Ryan has all those pages. He basically has all the awesome Howard's pages Jeez. from yeah. that last That's series awesome. that we read. Ryan, you, you have an amazing collection and those pages were great to look at. Yeah, and in one of them, I thought this was really interesting. If you're on Facebook, you can check it out. He posted, there's like a little alternate head for Howard's in the margin, and they ended up using that head instead of the one that he drew. So like James Heron just drew the second head on the side, and I guess they just scanned it in or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, it was really interesting. Talking about, <coughs> oh, no one's excited about Ted Howard's. <laughs> Plenty of people are excited about Ted Howard's. I will not back down. He's the best. Craig McKnight said, Heron's art is badass. Not many can convey action the way that he does. Nicholas Orizaga said, As someone who came to comics after an extended time away and started back with Harold Connie and Rumble, I can't tell you how exciting it is to see new, at least to me, artwork from Tyler Crook and James Heron in BPRD of all comics. I just love these guys. Also, one of my favorite things about this series is instead of a superstar and a bunch of role players, this is like an all-star game. I love how they pick teams. And so he talked about the different teams. You've got Yosef's team. you got the team with Liz and Johan. It's yeah. A, it's a far cry from when the agents were on the equivalent side of the Star Trek red shirts back when <laughs> Hellboy and Abe were the leaders. A lot has changed since those days. Yeah, because yes. in, the, in yeah. those days, they would just die. Yeah. All those guys that mm -hmm. went were on... Uh, yeah, Wake I the mean, devil and everything. All those guys died. I'll say it until yeah. the end of time. The ensemble cast, the ensemble show will always win out over the, yeah, like you said, the one or two superstars or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Nicholas said, I can't help but root for all these guys, except maybe Devin. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a grudge against Devin for sure. Yeah, you know how they talked about uh, Hellboy? Well, those guys were in charge of the BPRD. Well, not in charge. They were the superstars. They were the stars of the BPRD. Everybody, all the agents wear red shirts. And yeah. And also, it just made me go back to think about how Mignola was talking about how when he first started, he was making comics like how he thought he was supposed to be making them or something yeah. like that. And then yeah. how they kept changing. And by the time we got to Hellboy in Hell, it's just like, I'm just doing whatever the hell I want right That's now. That's great, though. That's growth. That's and artistic in, growth. And that kind of pushes it into like the BPRD, too, because like yeah. that first... Plague of, I mean, the first series, it's just Hellboy and the gang. And then the Plague of Frogs, you start seeing them a little bit more. But right. by this one, it's like full-on agents. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. like And that. you only figure things out by fucking doing. Yeah. By doing, by losing, making mistakes, you know, uh, along the way. And I'm not saying that mistakes were made. I'm just saying in, in my life, I can only compare that to if I do something 50 fucking times, the 51st time, I'm like, you know what? That's good. Let's, yeah. let's do that. Right. And so... It's one of those things where they're figuring it out. 
they're they're learning and growing and they're like you know what this is exciting i just want to write this i just want to draw this and so well there's just something about this series that that's what i like about it is they're not afraid to grow and change they're not afraid to be like you know what let's 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 follow this character for a while right let's yeah. see what they're up to let's just fucking see and that's that's makes it so fucking good I guess like uh, one thing I like about this comic is like it, it reads like a like a monthly regular title or something right. like that, but it keeps growing and changing, and things just don't go back never to the way they stale, were. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, nothing ever gets. No, there's no easy fixes, and it's also that whole kind of like you're reading like a, a series of books, like a here's a limited series of seven books or three books or something right, like right. that. Right, right. So it's got that kind of flavor too. But I mean, it's but it reads like a like a comic. Yeah, and it's it's a fucking rewarding experience, and I can't believe I didn't jump on it earlier. <laughs> Well, no, and we've, so had this, we've had this discussion before about oh, yeah. how, yeah. oh, they're just going to reboot Batman. Oh, it's again. Oh, right. More yeah. of this. How many times do I have to see the scene with the pearls? Spider-Man's back with Mary Jane again. The, yeah, yeah, it's just the whole fucking thing. And it's like, with this, they've recognized, like, okay, we, we, we've done this. What else can we do? They just get people who are able to write and illustrate these ensemble stories so well. Yeah. And, and rarely do you have characters coming back from the dead and they don't like... But if they do, it's yeah. fucking good. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, like it's I was not saying, a trope. Like yeah. I said, it's like it's a uh, rare not thing. always. Well, not the black flame. Okay, <laughs> I was I was I'm gonna say-, say except for that asshole. <laughs> but <laughs> isn't it? Good? It's not good but in it the is sense good. of. But yeah, we're so it's wrapped good. up in. I'm talking about the the storytelling <laughs> aspect of it. Like you're right. The fact that you hate that he's back means that it's working and they're doing right. a good job. So even that. Well, it's funny you mention that because Nicholas says that Cronin is his personal black flame. Oh, he yeah. said, okay. uh, that guy too. He was like, because uh, Cronin pops up in this story, he said, I can't stand when people cosplay as him. He's a fucking Nazi, damn it. Yeah, cosplay yeah. as a Nazi yeah. is not. Unless you've got like a lobster friend with you willing to jump out <laughs> and from behind you, right? booths, occasionally like take you down. Like, you know, you see the uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne who just collapse at the feet of any oh, Batman right. they yeah, see kind of a deal. Yeah, I love cosplay, shit like that. Yeah. So if you're dressing up as someone like that, but you've got a counterpoint to it, maybe that. Think about that. That's Have a, a friend idea. dress That's up as lobster, idea. by the way. But you got to make sure you stay together the whole time. Gotta, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or else you just look like a fucking Nazi walking around. <laughs> um I always would say, because I have so much things that I would like to spend my money on, obviously. I would love to have like a Lobster Johnson cosplay thing. And you've heard me talk about this all the time. I don't fucking do shit like that. But yeah. if you can't see my face, I feel like I'd be okay with it. That would be good, yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? We definitely I don't, need to work on that. I don't cosplay. I'm not a cosplayer. But if you couldn't see my face, if it's obscured by a huge mask and goggles, and yeah. nobody could tell who the fuck I was. I'm going to start assembling that I'd piece be okay piece. with that, yeah. yeah. I'd be okay with being an anonymous whatever. And wasn't it uh, the book club? Wasn't it one of your earliest episodes where you were talking about maybe the lobster's granddaughter takes over the mantle? That would be so fucking point? cool. Oh, yeah, would be great. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, yeah so just yeah. go ahead and... <laughs> I know, that, you I know. know. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we you did like talk the about pink that. Version. That's or a good when, when I'm at cons, what I want to do is I want to talk <laughs> to artists and stuff. And you can't. I, I don't know. I feel you don't like, want to be talking to. I James can't walk up to a goddamn artist. On. Yeah, you know. Oh, that's like, not with true. A I, I've walked up. On. I've walked up to artists dressed <laughs> yeah. up as a Joker, and they they are all cool. Right. Well, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like I would feel weird about it. Well, I don't really. I mean, okay, this is going to sound dumb, but I mean, I don't really like to 
kind of okay. I, I like people, but I don't like people. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I mean, it's not that you don't like people. It's maybe you have a hard time. I just don't go up. And, I just people. don't interact with people. Sure, which is nothing against any. It doesn't people. mean you it's don't just, like them. It's just that you're maybe that's not a skill that you necessarily exactly. possess all the time. It, but when I was dressed up as the Joker and people kept wanting to go yeah. get pictures taken with me, it was actually kind of freeing. It's an easy icebreaker. Yeah, because it's like, like, hey, this is fun. You're in like costume. Little kids. Sure. And like, I ran into his mom and daughter dressed both dressed as Robin and. They wanted a picture of that's me attacking them. That's super cute. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, there's something. There was just something freeing about sure, playing the costumes. Sure, of course. Yeah. You know what? And I, I feel that. I think that. And I have nothing against people who wear costumes because I'm that person who's coming up to you like, "Hey, cool costume. This clearly took a lot of work. Good yeah. job." And I admire that. So I feel like there's there's a role for everyone. It's got to take. It takes two. Yeah. You need someone in the costume, and you need someone to be like, "Good job, man. Yeah. You look fucking yeah. good." Although it was fun driving to driving to the con just like that, people would be like looking sure, at you through right. the window. But I, if I ever saw somebody in a Lobster Johnson outfit, I, I would have a hard time leaving them alone and be like, "Yes, <laughs> oh this yeah, it's fucking good, <laughs> good job." You know? Yeah. We had some feedback from Jen Niklas. He said, "And Jen Niklas, yeah, book club member, book club member." And now a word from our sponsor. What's up, my warlocks and witches? Oh, <laughs> my butts and bitches. The buff flame here to bring you the gospel. The buff flame? Many of you uh. asked, man, buff flame, how can we become as cool as you? <laughs> I pondered about this, and now I want to share my infinite wisdom with you. So you may become as awesome and conquer New York, the only real American city. <laughs> 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 this is good. Eat a lot, work out, yell as much as possible, and you're almost ready to become super flame of the first level. Shout out to Sun Goku. Well done. <laughs> well, when done, do the big step. Get your ass somehow sucked into another dimension and get as much evil vril as possible into you. Just do a lot of psychedelics and go for it. When done, you can come back and I will kick your ass because there's only one buff flame and that's me. Praise the buff flame. Now I have to catch up with that hot lady I feel a certain spark with. After that, I can get rid of my true arch nemesis, Matt Strackbine, book club member. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Bring it on. Bring it. <laughs> Later, nerds, flexes muscles, and flies directly into a skyscraper. <laughs> the later nerds really sells it. He's buff, he's tough, and the BPRD just can't get enough. Oh, yeah. Jenny Klaus said... I can't take this guy serious anymore after turning him into this crotchless jerk jock. Speaking of being <laughs> silly, I watched Demolition Man recently and now every That's time... That's a good fucking movie. Love that movie. He says every time you say Phoenix's name, I just hear Stallone yelling. I know. <laughs> Phoenix! Phoenix! <laughs> and he also said, um, take away the T in Kurtz's name and you get Kurz, which means short in German. Meaning that he's little... Not that he wears them. Uh, Hear you in a few uh, weeks. Have fun. It's also a Ucur. Very <laughs> letter. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you for that. Jen Niklas is good at that, though. That's, I always look forward to. He does good. To yeah, his he does a good guises. job with that. Yeah. Jason Abdon said, "This episode has another Johan falls asleep on watch duty moments. It's weird, and I don't think it's followed up on. Yeah, we didn't. We've talked about that, right? Yeah. He just pops out of nowhere. They never explain where he was. Oh, oh, did I? Okay, yeah. So we did talk about that, but I, you know what? Where the fuck was yeah. he? Yeah, oh, I didn't even think about that. He says Aubrey points out the Zinko guy holding the jetpack thing." 
Remember, they've been making faulty jetpacks since the beginning of the Hellboy comics. Poor Hellboy got blown up by a couple of those uh, things. Oh, yeah, that's right. That. Yeah, that was a good callback. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch. catch that. He also said, Liz is a goddess here, younger and more vital than we've ever seen, and finally one with her power. Even in her first appearance, Liz always seemed wasted, like she'd woken up without enough sleep or was hungover. But here, where everyone else would be panicking and looking for a place to run, she's fearless in the face of the black flame. The Liz archetype. My absolute fucking favorite. Yeah. And I will not apologize. <laughs> I absolutely won't. And I know that it's it's often a trope, but this is my favorite ar- archetype in anything that I ever read or watch. And she is a penultimate example of it being handled real well Yeah, over yeah. a very long period of time various writers and artists a really long time span and i've never been let down and so out of out of all the representations of this archetype has to be one of my favorites and so i always do gravitate towards her character i know that i maybe i don't talk about her as much because i kind of take it for granted and i feel like maybe people listening to this might take that for granted too but i don't want to assume so yeah i i agree with all of that shit is the long way around to say that yeah, Liz is a great character. I really love what they've yeah. done with her. The salty oh, yeah. goddess, you know. <laughs> I no, I, that's my favorite shit. She's she's consistently been one of my favorite characters throughout the whole right. series. The unwilling, yeah, glass cannon. Yeah, right. Yeah. The yeah. unwilling phoenix. It's like, oh, I don't know if that's my destiny, but maybe it is, and I am am gonna embrace it. And it's yeah, fucking good. Lobster twenty thousand said. This is where I started reading BPRD Monthly, one of my absolute favorite BPRD stories. I love Yosef's arc in this story. What he does and why he does it really endeared him to me. The ending to issue 118 is one of my favorite moments in the series as well. That part where he kills Marsden and he says, you know, um, you thought you were a great oh, man in the mirror. So fucking satisfying watching him smash him up like that. Yeah, and he said, uh, James Heron might be the best working artist in of comic book scenes. His work is so kinetic. Mr. Forp on Twitter said, Heron is the G at Beast. His work on Rumble was pretty epic. And so, yeah, Rumble, I don't know if we've talked about that. That's James Heron and John Arcudi, which we already love okay. John Arcudi from his work on the BPRD stories. So, yeah, check that story out. DJ Alpha T said, Rain in the Black Flame. Is this the first time we see Liz flying? That's a major leap in her powers. I'm guessing it's showing how in control of her firepower she is now. Yeah. yeah the, the, Was the, that the first time I we saw her doing that? I think it is the first time yeah. we've seen her fly. I guess, like, voluntarily. Has she ever, like, levitated involuntarily? Like well, a, I mean, okay, levitating is a little bit different. Right. I, think. I mean... She's levitated. I well, I mean, she she's has, been yeah. levitated, yeah. but then I, I think she's also levitated, but, I mean... But that's a huge, yeah, that's yeah. a big Dragon Ball Z kind of a thing. And it's yeah. a huge leap. And I was shocked when I saw it. I was like, they really fucking took this off a cliff. This is a huge left right. turn. But I went with it because the story was so good. Well, and they've been hinting that she was going to, that she's super powerful. That's why everybody yeah. keeps trying to like steal her powers. Right. Well, the whole, yeah. the you know, those pages that I couldn't stop gushing over when she was yeah. like, I'm lighting a cigarette and walking up some stairs. I'm kind of a badass. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. It's like. And then this whole, oh, now it's some trippy shit. This is Doctor Strange now. Right. So it, it really did lead us into that. But it was a huge, it was still it was still kind of a, oh, are we doing this right. moment for me? But I kept with it because it's just such a good fucking story that I, you know, I was able to suspend the disbelief. It was fine. So 
I, I don't know why I just didn't think about this. I mean, um, we've talked about this before. We're like, Hellboy is the more fantastical of the stories with mm-hmm. the VPRD usually side of stays grounded. Yeah. And so I didn't really make this connection. When um, we see her walk into uh, Black Flame's office and it's all Doctor Strange and Trippy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you get Liz flying around and stuff like that. I mean, He's it's just like. He's got a little nameplate. Big on his desk, like the, the buff thing. Flame. It's the just, buff flame of the year. That's a buff flame. The buff flame of the year. <laughs> it's like floating above. So there's sorry. a coffee cup floating next to I'm it. Sorry, go ahead, sorry. Aubrey. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry. But with like Liz flying around and all that kind of shit, it's just like reminding us that yes, these stories are grounded, but this fantastical stuff there's happens fanta- yeah. too. Right. Well, and, and the gigantic fuck it was aliens. also amazing awesome no because the gigantic the Ogdru him are oh, not yeah. doing much they're like we stomp around we eat people we're right. dangerous but it's still just like ah this is like if a regular animal was real real big yeah if a you know what i mean and it's like okay that's fine but like you said did they re-enter like should we get some fantastical elements in here it, maybe those two point? worlds are yeah. starting to come together a little bit and you're bit. starting to yeah. realize that this is not just science fiction it's also magic and you can remember oh i remember this is yeah. magic now yeah. so yeah no i agree with that completely that's good back to that very human moment that we had in the last series with the prospect park scene mark tweedell said what an arc when i read this i was blown away by so many sequences but one in particular stuck with my brain, the Prospect Park sequence. It's so heartbreaking and terrible and beautiful. It's one of those sequences that reads perfectly without a single word. Yes, there are speech balloons in the sequences, but they're not needed. Anyway, the more I thought about it, the more I realized I had to buy a page from it. Problem was, which page? And the more I thought about it, the more it bothered me. That's what I love about comics. Powerful sequential storytelling. And taking one page out of the sequence hurts so much... So I really had no choice. I had to get all four. And so he has all four of those pages. Wow. From yeah, the he, he posted that on our Twitter. Oh, wow. Did yeah, we I saw those. post that or anything? Yeah, okay. I sure did. Good, and good. he posted this awesome picture of him with the pages. Wow. Oh, that's a great picture. They're all framed. He says, I have days when I stop and I'm walking past just stunned that they're there. Other times I stop and stare because they pull me in. By the way, if you haven't already, you need to read John Arcudi and Jonathan Case's The Creep. It's one of my favorite things that Arcudi's ever written. Okay. Also, it comes with a content warning. The story involves suicide. That uh. said, that's part of what makes the story so powerful. Arcudi approaches the subject material with sensitivity and honesty. Okay. And what was really interesting, too, is there's a alternate panel. So... You know, there's that panel where Liz has her arm around Phoenix. Okay, well, that panel's not originally there. It's just a panel uh, up close of Phoenix crying, and Liz is in the background. And so they changed it. And he said, um, as interesting as this panel is, I can see why they went with the one that they did. The simple gesture of Liz having her arm around Phoenix is such an important moment for both characters. Cool. I yeah, like that. So, it's kind of like deleted scenes in the yeah, DVD extras. It's you know? really cool. That's so yeah, if you go on our Twitter, you can go check those out. I think I retweeted all those panels. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's good stuff. That's excellent. Yeah, it's amazing. And he even said when he had the framer frame them, he made sure that they 
left in all the little blotches on the side where yeah. James Heron like is testing oh, his brushes yeah, you... and stuff like that to make sure that that wasn't covered up by the matting or whatever. That's so weird to think about because you can see their hand in that though. You can see yeah. their hand exactly. Makes it important. The yeah. unconscious strokes are what makes that important to sure. you when yeah. you look at that. And so like That's to awesome. you, this artist you admire, you're like, oh, this is incredible. This is priceless. And to the artists themselves, they'd be like, no, it's not. It's garbage. It's trash. So. Well, I often think, where is Bob Ross's easel right now? Right. Oh. oh, it's actually, uh, they sent one of them to the Smithsonian. Oh, wow. Oh, that's oh, crazy. That is so cool. Oh, See man. what I mean? That's yeah. very important stuff. It's really I'll, significant. Uh, in our last story, we also talked about that one scene, that rare scene where Dave Stewart colored blue skies, yeah. where they shot that guy mm-hmm. in the fields. Mark Tweedell said, as for the blue skies, Dave Stewart used to avoid blue skies in the Hellboy work. He always leaned towards colors that better express the mood of the story. The rain and the black flame changed that. Those beautiful blue skies hit home like nothing else could. I remember him talking about it, but I can't think where. It could have been an interview or it could have been a Facebook comment. I wish I could pull it up. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. So yeah, they I think they used the blue skies on that Prospect Park scene also. I actually haven't thought about that, but now I'm thinking about it and it's kind of blowing my mind. What a badass. Yeah, well what it's a such a part badass. of the it's such a part of the storytelling too. Yeah, jeez. Jason Avedon said I love how Johan literally looks deflated because he like falls to his knees. Oh, yeah. He oh, kind of yeah. like looks like he's deflated there. Plague of Crows on Instagram said, oh, man, I remember this. This hit me hard in the feels. When I posted about that spacey scene, the Black Flames office or whatever you call <laughs> it. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Step into my office. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Though. I want to do like a. Like a scene from The Office with the Black Flames that would be of Michael great. Scott. But everything's like floating and trippy. <laughs> Anung17 said, This was an excellent call to detail of the background by Strackbine. I never really considered how similar it was to the Sledgehammer 44 stuff. You know, when they, they're in that kind of spacey world or whatever. Cosmic yeah. realm. The yeah. <laughs> Cosmic realm. West, whatever it is. Land. Yeah. Yeah. Wes Mattis said, definitely something I would never have caught or put together without the Hellboy Book Club. Death to the Black Flame. But he does look pretty dang sweet here, especially under Heron's style. Well, he is all buff. Death yeah. to the Black Flame, but I love what they did with him. Yeah. And so Hans Sirach oh, yeah. said he really wished they made an action figure of the buff flame. That would be the really cool. Flame. I would love to have that. Oh, um, Jason. Oh, oh, you'd love to have that. Well, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Was the subtext of Strackbine's uh, little O oh, there? Yeah. <laughs> Jason Avedon said, uh, So, uh, nice place you got here. These floating rocks at IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, when I posted about Yosef's hero moment where he kills Marsden, Jason Avedon said, I think it was a culture bias that Mignola and Ali used to make a great character in Yosef. We all grew up with Russians as bad guys in movies. Plus, he's sort of Frankenstein. I personally kept thinking a double cross, but Yosef is pure gold. Plus, and, he's sort of Frankenstein. Yeah, and De Sequoia said, this book is when I finally started trusting him. Yeah, so I love that. Yeah, and that, that character yeah. has really um, turned around, I think, for for you guys I, as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. yeah. yeah. That character always relies more on honor than morals, you know, like yeah. he'll, he'll kill people left and right. 
That's a good way whether, to put it, yeah. yeah. Whether you think they deserve it or not, but he's doing it for a purpose. Like, he honors his friendship with Johan, which makes you go, oh, he's a good guy. Nah, yeah. really. He's really not. <laughs> He'll kill somebody in cold blood without a second thought. Right. You know? So he's kind of, he's all of the things that you worried about or considered about him. He's all of that. Sure, yeah. sure. But he just happens to be on our side, right? Jinx yeah, and I mean, you know, he died. So yeah, it's it's. I said this before about Johan. You, we, the living, are always like, oh, what's the meaning of life? Well, what if you die and come back? You know, what what's your search for meaning? Right now? there, you go. That just oh, gets man. that gets super messy and really complex. And so I think he suspends a lot of morals that the living hold on to dearly. I think he's like, okay, well. <laughs> been there done that you know i'll kill people left and right, now. right. yeah but, <laughs> but there's still a, a version of quote doing the right thing right him, yeah you know? that's a really good assessment yeah i really like that yeah i like it and regarding our outtakes episode jerry turnbull said that was a lot of jerry fun. turnbull yeah. book club member book club member he has the something ultimate. to say about the outtakes about that takes episode back to you, John. He said, "How does a typical recording session go? Are you all in one room? How long does the raw recording last?" And so, yeah, I gave an answer about this, but yeah, the three of us are together, and so Matt is calling in. It's John and Aubrey, Aubrey had a bad joke that he wanted to tell. And, okay, oh yeah, go ahead. Okay, so you know, John said that uh, it's the three of us, and then you call in, and we record, and all that stuff. And I said, so you could say. Matt phones it in. Ah, he phones it in. Uh, and then I did a couple yeah. of emojis, and I was like, I'll see myself out. There you go. <laughs> you should see yourself right the fuck out of here. No, I'm kidding. Um, I love bad jokes, though. It's good. It's a, it's a dad joke, and I, and I love it. And that's I'm the biggest fan of the dad joke. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's John and Aubrey and myself, and then... We call Matt. Yeah, we call Matt, and then it's a whole... It's a book club podcast and we bullshit I, for a couple minutes and then we start the it's episode. not a couple minutes it's a long time and then i try I, to wrangle you all in because we're friends and we want to just well, fucking shoot the shit because i haven't i haven't heard from him in a week and i'm like hey what's going on how's it going hey aubrey hey everybody hey strike bang what's going on and, and we're also adjusting the levels but, of the mics at the time we're adjusting levels of the mics oh, talking sure, about yeah, we our week that, yeah. and drinking beers i think and, you could you could sum it up a lot quicker, though, in your response to him by saying, I make everyone sound good like before, <laughs> before during, and after. No, know? he buys all this amazing equipment, and he spends yeah. so yeah. much of his time. So much of his yeah, time. It's like John's It's a lot podcast, of labor. I feel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is John's podcast, absolutely. And we're, and, just, we're along for the ride. Yeah, we're just here. We just show up. I just show up with a, yeah. It would, not be, it would not be the same podcast. Let's I just oh, show man. up and I'm like, yeah. hey, okay, let's do this. And I don't have to fucking do it. He does so much work. You guys don't know what goes into this. So seriously, well, even, he spends even so much I'm, time and work doing this. When I'm reading the you know required reading material leading up to the podcast, I'm like, I'm not going to look that up. John will look that up. <laughs> you know? Or like, or like I'm sure notes. John has already translated that. I'm not going to worry about what that means. Uh. You know, he's, he's going in, he's looking in this book. He's looking in that book. He opens up this book. He opens up this file. He opens up his computer. He's researching. He's making notes. He's doing all this stuff. And then he's editing the podcast. He's making sure it sounds good. He's doing the, adjusting the levels and adjusting this and cutting. You do a fucking badass job. And then you, you always rein us back in. Yeah. I'm well, not me. To. I can't. I'm un. You can't rein me in. You can't control me. 
Yeah, but thank you for saying <laughs> that. Lastly, I want to thank DJ Alpha T for sharing the hashtag Nazis pee their pants. Nazis pee their pants. <laughs> Nazis pee their on. pants. <laughs> pass it on. Yeah, pass it on, everybody. So thank you so much. All right, and now we're going to get to our book club episode for the week. This week we're talking about The Shape of Things to Come. This is a two-issue arc published from October to November 2013, written by Mignola and Ali with art by Sebastian Fumara. On the Hellboy wiki, it says that his brother Max Fumara did some of the inks. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. I love this cover. It is pretty badass. But then I was also reading in the back, talking about the placement of Abe's hand uh, on the sword. Like when he originally did the thumbnail, it was on the sword. And then when he did it, it wasn't. And they were thinking, it's like, oh, yeah, he put his hand there because it's like he's grabbing the sword. And then when, oh. when he sent him the final, he didn't have it there. And they're like, oh, could you put his hand back on the sword? And he's like, <laughs> he didn't even realize that, that he just drew his hand there. Oh, and he's just having wow. to line up that, that so way. Cool. Yeah. So that was pretty awesome. Can I say, um, if you have boobs that large, the nipple is going to be pointing down. This has a point because a lot of quote unquote artists would put the nipple real high up as though there's in some sort of anti-gravity machine affecting this character. And like, you know, that's what boobs look like. Sorry, just going to say it. Thank you for drawing accurate anatomy in the boobs. That's all. Sure. Remember when yes. Michael Scott wants an anti-gravity machine yeah. at the, in the office? And Phyllis is like, <laughs> I'm going to get it. She <laughs> Antidepressants? Yes. <laughs> We open in Yuma County, Arizona. This county is in the southwestern corner of Arizona. And we see this woman chasing a wolf. So I think that this kind of... We'll come back around to this. I want to make sure that I mention this later. Um, She trips and she falls. And as she rises up, like she sees someone behind her. Like she see we see the legs. And then she pulls her gun and we reveal Abe. The reveal where it's Abe is so good. Yeah, um, I love that Sebastian Fumara style. I, I We were talking earlier about gaining an impression of who, like, you know, I try to think of Abe and like, I really like the Guy Davis Abe, right. but I really love Fumara. Well, when I, love- I think of oh, Abe, yeah. I've come to think of the Fumara version. Really? That's so interesting. Yeah. I really do like the, yeah. the new design, the new look for it. Yeah. I love yeah. the new look, but I especially feel like he thought about the anatomy of this character oh, yeah. a lot. And he had to later we'll see in the story that he really actually did. <laughs> but I like right. this I like her. I like this character. I was able to immediately kind of establish a connection with this character when it's she's not gonna just shoot on sight. Right. She knows. She's in the universe. So this she's maybe kind of our if this were the first book that we were ever reading and we didn't know who this Abe character was. And we we're like, oh it's a monster. But we're looking at it through her eyes because she's the first character we see, right? So she's like, okay, well, I'm not going to shoot you because I know what's going on. Magic is yeah, real. Well, and not and, everybody and you, is a monster, even though you look like you might be. And you might see a monster with partial clothing, but not a sweater tied around. Right. Not the sweater tied around the waist. Exactly. He's still, he's still bandaged on yeah. his arm yeah. from when yeah. he got cut with that box cutter. So she knows that this is someone she can maybe even communicate with. Which I appreciate right off the bat. Yeah, they have this look weird at the run. Color. In. Yeah, it's really good. The fucking clouds. This whole like Arizona yeah. atmosphere. And yeah, it's all secondary colors. I know. Yeah, oh, the nice. brushes are like orange, purple, green. It's really exactly yeah, it's so good. And she says "Ihole," right as she sees Abe. 
and they have this run in. He asks her why she was chasing the wolf and what she's doing out there. And as they talk, we learn that Elena's father is missing and she invites Abe to come have some food. No one will believe this if you don't come say hey, she says. And I like how we see this wolf watching them as this conversation takes place. It's just a really nice uh, pacing in this panel. Well, I like how she she recognizes who she, who he is, yeah. and then like he pulls out his radio. He's like, "Hey, you want to hear some tunes?" No. Right. <laughs> well, it's very, and she's very chill. She's like, "Yeah, no one's gonna believe me if you don't come say hi." Like, it's you know, that's such a cool chick thing to say. <laughs> I love that shit. And then the next panel is, we got a cookout going, right? We yeah. got the paper plates, and they're grilling. Yeah, we meet Carlos. He asks Abe if he wants a quesadilla, but Abe doesn't eat cheese. So they make one uh, for him without, which <laughs> yeah, I think no, is pretty why cool. Why not? Yeah. Why doesn't he eat cheese, I wonder? Yeah, uh, it must be something with his, maybe it doesn't agree with his, his biology system, or something. Yeah. It could be. Huh. Maybe he's also vegan or... Um, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but it looks but, like the one that they give him has meat on it because they're like, how about this? Oh, uh, good it point. It could be but beans. I mean, that might be beans. But, you know, I mean, it also could be, like, I don't eat a lot of cheese because I'm lactose intolerant. Right, he might right. be lactose intolerant. So, He's like, oh, yeah, people don't know about that shit. Right. And they Give say... some frijoles and some guac. Yeah, there you, that's what it looks like, yeah. And they say Abe's not the scariest monster they've seen. There's a militia controlling Phoenix, the Spring Steel. It's safer out here, Elena says. You know, when was this published? Can I... 2013. Yes, thank you for that, 2013. Matt. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are surprised that this type of shit is going on now in 2019. Right. And we've got this, oh, he just got out of the deportation center. And uh, it's very timely. Yeah, it's it's fucking but it's not because this has been going on for so fucking long. Right. And nobody I'm sorry to get all, you know, life is political. The everyday life is political. Excuse me. I'm just going to go ahead and say, oh, can't you keep politics out of it? No, our very lives are political. So he's like, oh, there's a militia controlling all this shit. And we just were lucky to get out of the deportation center. Oh, you're so lucky. You know, yeah, I'm not ashamed to be. Some of the other people were killed in the other deportation center. Exactly. He goes, you know, we went over to check on some friends of ours. The guards there came up with a different way of shutting things down. We got the fuck out of there. There's blood on the wall. A different way of shutting down this center. Does that sound like anything you've ever heard of? Yeah. Yeah. It sure fucking does. So anyway, I'm sorry for that little aside, but I'm not actually sorry. I don't apologize. Sure. No, This is something that's actually going on. and It's been going on. This is not new. This has been happening since 2013. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He tells Elena that it, his father's going to get himself killed out there. So then after this big scene, we cut to them all drinking. It's great. Yeah. It's good yeah. stuff. It's a, you know, it's a campsite. You ever been camping with your friends? It's fucking good shit. Even under the worst of circumstances, you can't begrudge someone for enjoying themselves sitting in a lawn chair and drinking. And I feel like there are very subtle touches that Sebastian Fermara does to make Abe seem like he's a little drunk. A little bit. Like the, he's a the little, yeah. The, the little, this little panel yeah. at the bottom where and he's in the corner and he's they all just sit there after this great, beat where they're yeah. laughing, I think is very cute. His yeah. body language it's, is adorable. It's a very Hellboy thing for him to do right it now, is. right? Yeah. yeah. So I love Hellboy's that. always kicking back with a bottle. He yeah. doesn't care who's around. <laughs> well, I think that's what made them such good friends is that they do have this similar disposition as much as 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 many differences as they have. There is something very similar at the core of their personalities that I've always really loved. Right. Yeah. 
And Abe's like, she was ready to shoot, but then she sees me. Then she drops the barrel and they all start laughing. And Carlos says she probably thought Abe was her papa. And then there's a visible reaction by Elena when he says this. And Abe is like, oh, this is just something funny. Yeah. Because he's not in this. He doesn't know the He doesn't know about everything. So then Abe, he asks what's going on with Elena's dad. And they say he went loco. He thinks he's a Nagual. And so this is from Wikipedia in Mesoamerica, folk religion, a Nagual is a human being who has a power to shapeshift into an animal form. There's a widespread superstition that in order to become a Nagual, you have to make a pact with the devil and offer him something special. Nagwals can use their powers for good or evil based on the personality of the person that's affected. See, the devil in quotes, though, because, like, you know, anyway. And they say when things got bad, Elena's dad ran out into the desert to live like an animal. See, but, okay, here's what I understand. They can accept just a dude that looks like Abe. And they're like, yeah, you're just a guy. That's fine. But they're like, oh, her dad thinks that he can whatever. And it's like, (laughs) okay, wait. So (laughs) how far... Are you willing to go? Like, right. I don't understand why that's that's a long shot to you. That's like beyond the pale. But Abe is cool. But Abe, giant monsters popping out of the ground. He looks right. like a fucking monster. I'm sorry, like, but you can accept him as being chill. But then home do turning into an animal. For, nope. no, <laughs> no, that's a little bit much. Well, and they start nagging her if exactly. she thought that's a little rude. They start nagging her if she thought Abe was her dad. That's rude. You know. And she, she gets all mad, but like rightfully so. I'd be pissed too. I'd be like, you guys have a fucking bad attitude. Yeah, she says, you don't know shit. And she storms off. And then when Abe notices that this is like, you know, he realizes the layers to all this. He goes off after her. He's very perceptive as far as interpersonal relationships. But I think when you're, you've are you been drinking a little, it's harder sure. to catch on. <laughs> no, but that's, and that's very subtly woven into the script is that he doesn't catch on at first. But then mm-hmm. when she's very visibly upset, he's like, okay, I need to go talk to her. Which I, like you said earlier, it's these little character moments yeah. that really make. Well, talking about character moments, I love this next page. The color is really beautiful. They, I just love the time that they take and the pacing that they have as Abe confronts Elena after she stormed off. It's gorgeous. You know, the custom brushes and the, the very soft colors, and it's really nice. Yeah, and she says, her father's not crazy. He's part of an old tradition. They're of Mayan blood. Our ancestors were wizards fighting monsters, she says. Fuck yes. And Abe mentions Zibaba. We know a little bit about that. We had that Land of the Dead episode with Zibalba mm-hmm. and um, and Abe that we read that was drawn by Omin, which is something I think is really interesting because that issue had not come out yet when this was published. Yeah. Oh, we that's read cool. it. It was kind of in that reading order, the way that Mark Tweedell placed it, and I like the way that he placed it. But we've actually had some preface to that already. Yeah, it's issue eight, yeah. and this would be issue six. Correct. This is okay, and this is um. Who was the illustrator for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? Oh, I don't know. I know Uh, what you're talking about. That style. I feel really bad. I really like this monster design. I was about to say because because hold on, give me a second. I like the mouths and the elbows. I know. (laughs) Yeah. That just blows my mind. I don't know. For what? What is it for? Scary Scary Stories stories to Tell tell in the Dark. Do you remember that book? 
I don't no. know if that's him or okay, not. Okay, so, I'm so sorry. This was a this is really interesting because I think they just made it into a movie and Guillermo del Toro produced it or something. But oh, okay. Um, scary stories to tell in the dark was a book series of scary stories, but it was geared towards kids and young adults. So it was kind of like these are scary stories, but they're okay for kids to read. And they were super fucked up, and they had they super fucked up, fucked up that drawings. That fucked me up for life. Yeah, no, and the drawings were really surreal and disturbing. And I think that's why Danielle is reminded yes. of it because this monster is kind of reminiscent. Really, of that. really yeah. stuck sticks out of my mind, and, and that's um, something that I have. But it was really popular. It was a popular book series among yeah. uh, kids and young adults. Yeah, uh, originally written by Alvin Schwartz and uh, illustrated by Stephen Gamel, and then also some art by Brett Helquist. Okay. Which was controversial among some people. Oh, nice. Some Thanks fans for looking or whatever. Up. I don't really know who... I, I wish I knew. I was a child when I came across this art and these stories, so I don't know who did this. I'm trying my best. I guess Stephen Gamel. Stephen Gamel is probably the illustrator I'm thinking of. I think he was the original one who did the old school books, the original books. So, okay. Stephen Gamble, this is what this reminds me of. Long story short, um, sorry, I had to look up the name and try and get this right. But this this page really reminds me of that shit. It's very, um, I'm just saying in spirit, in the soul sure, of it. Sure, no, very, yeah. It's freaky. It freaks me out. And it's it reminds me of that kind of, it's very dynamic and it's very, and so that kind of brings me back to that that place and that mindset. And that's what. I thought I I kept that throughout the rest of the story of this is a this is some scary shit. Yeah, Elena talks about this myth. I think this is funny. She says about the land of the dead stuff with Zibalba, which Abe actually goes to. She says that's a myth. I'm talking about things that went on here. So she doesn't even believe that stuff. But we know that Abe has actually been there. Or he's you know he's discovered what could be Zibalba. But she says like Sikpatli. In Tuxpam, killed by a man like my father, only way more powerful. And we see this monster that Danielle's talking about. This is a sea monster, part crocodilian, part fish, part toad or frog, with indefinite gender, always hungry. Every joint on its body was adorned with an extra mouth. Can I say that's such a mood? Yeah. With indefinite <laughs> gender. <laughs> That, uh, that's what it said. I'm getting this all from Wikipedia. No, 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 no. It's good shit. And the painting of it. Can I? Uh, if you want to zoom in there, I know Matt agrees with me with this um, shaman who's got the orb of light. And oh yeah, the, I love that all little of that. detail down there. The custom brushes and all that. Yeah, and look at. There's some writing on that yeah, shaman. There's right? some uh, some runes. Some I think sigils, um, some sigils here. Yeah, I think that's like how you know how in Hellboy and Hell. Edward Gray would write in the oh, air yeah. for sigils. Sure. I think I think that's what it is. I don't think they took white paint and wrote that on his cape or No. Whatever. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Oh, okay. No, those sigils that's are happening. Air. He's like yeah, that person's like saying that. It's yeah. a verb, not a noun. I love that. For sure. Cuz I was like that looks kind of weird the way it's sitting on top of him. Oh, but maybe it's in front of him. Yeah. He but just shouted that. Or the something. splattery, amorphous nature of this monster just really fucking. It's pure chaos. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Just... it calls back to that. Like I was saying, like those stories, like it calls back to that illustration that just makes you feel fear and gross. And you're like, oh, this is fucked up. But this shaman is here to. I don't know. I think I feel like we've run across this archetype so many times yeah. that we're just comfortable with it by now. And so that's something that I, I always look forward to seeing in series like this. Elena says. 
Her dad thought Hellboy and Abe were proof of what's coming, but he isn't strong enough to stop it. And in her hands, Elena unwraps these figures. This is Hunapu and Zibalanki. They were both powerful twin brothers who killed Vukabsakwitz and stopped the world from ending. And so this is a reference to the Mayan hero twins. They're central figures of a narrative included within the document Popol Vol, which we've discussed on previous episodes and constituting the oldest Mayan myth to have been preserved in its entirety. Vukab Kakwix is described as a powerful bird pretending to be the sun and moon of the twilight world in between the former creation and the present one. And so that's what we're getting an illustration of here. I like him. I, I think Wouldn't he's great. it be cool if they had found a way to put the previous page and this page facing? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. That's so that awesome. That would have been a yeah. great like two-page spread, you know? Yeah. I also love the way they, everyone knows who Abe Sabian and Hellboy are. They don't have to like, right. can you just imagine if every comic or every time they encounter new people, they'd have this whole like chunk of explaining to do. Batman, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be awful. <laughs> I, I love that. It's like, because then they would, the writers would be like, well, they can't meet new people because we'll have to explain who Abe Sapien is all over again, you know? Yeah, no, or, they're like, fuck all that. Or there'll be that. all these Three's Company misunderstandings going on <laughs> all the time. Yes. That is so funny. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I Can hadn't thought about, about that. the colors? I mean, I know we have talked about the desert colors, but I want to talk about them again because I love them. Yeah, it's like nighttime, but not black outside. Well, so many people are so afraid of illustrating dusk. But we're actually going through, it starts at dusk, the, the sky is kind of orange. And the more you scroll, if you scroll, it gets kind of red. It's getting redder and the clouds are dark instead of light. And now it's this greenish blue and now it's right. blue blue and now it's purpley pink. It's gorgeous. If you've ever spent any time in the desert, if you've been lucky enough to spend some time yeah. in the you know, East Texas desert, for example, it's it's such a gorgeous, very unforgettable experience and they've managed to capture that it's incredible mm -hmm. i would say it's very considered the yes. way yeah. they colored this issue absolutely I, I think um when we wrap up this abe series mark tweedo has a whole thing about the colors of this series but okay. it's like it's, oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but it's a thing that you have to get all the way to the end anyway we'll talk sure. about I, that more. i brought that up once before yeah. yeah that's right great okay elena says her father's magic came from tez catlipoca who was referenced in our Hellboy 30 episode, Hellboy versus the Aztec Mummy, where we all got drunk. <laughs> yes, and, that, yes, that one yeah. episode where and we were drunk. He was taught how to change into dogs, jaguars, or other animals. But I think my father's wrong about you. You're more like my ancestors, she says. Well, I don't change, Abe says. And we get this really uh, awesome panel that kind of like references Daimyo, right? Okay, but I miss Daimyo. I do miss Daimyo, and that is an excellent panel of the Jaguar and then Daimyo. I think that's fantastic. But he does change. He definitely changed. Right, yeah. A lot. Yeah. Like in many different ways. What is he talking about? Well, I, I think he means he doesn't change back. He doesn't change form like back. He and doesn't forth. change at will, but yeah. he does he did, fucking he change. But well, yeah. he's been changed. He doesn't. Mm. Change. I do. I do like that you point that out because that says something about yes, him. I think, I think that's yeah. some. Um, what do you call that? Uh, cognitive dissonance. Sure. Mm -hmm. I like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny. 
it's like it's like here's a being social right this arc is when i realized he's super introverted yes he's got like, remember when the Abe series first started, people would be talking and he's like drifting off thinking about, right? you know, his ordeal or, or his history. That is still happening here. Yeah. He's all in his head. I mean, we get to see it, but nobody else does. Sure. I really like that. That's a good point. Elena mentions that she wanted to join the BPRD since she knows about magic and she can shoot. But I didn't figure there was room for una gordita, a chubby person, she says. She, first Since of all, all she, I ever see of you guys on TV are monsters and redheads and blondes. First of all, if they wanted to go with that, no. If they wanted to go with this gordita sort, you know, like, actually make her look like, you know, like Faith or, you know, something like that. She's like, just seems like a regular average you know, if she was really right, actually right. complaining about it, she seems like the same weight as Kate to me and Liz, honestly. She's probably being hard on herself. I just think that's kind of strange. Yeah. So actually make her, like, yeah, give put a few pounds on I her. I know. I would love make to her, see her yeah, in the purity. Let's have some representation and, of like and a bigger Abe, person. You know, and, and Abe yeah. says that she should. I love his comment, though. He says, I never thought I'd hear Kate and Liz reduced, reduced to blondes and redheads. To blondes and redheads. Like, what is her problem? <laughs> Or maybe it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you've got an awful lot of white ladies running around in the BPRD, right. but where are your native people? Where well, are your Mexican... Well, he assures Elena that there are Aztec other women in the Bureau, Ryan. right? Because we do right. have... Uh, we know that we've got... Um, Jiroko. Jiroko. We've got Gervish. We've got Ashley Strode. And then there's... Um, the lady that taught Nick Nichols? Yeah. Well, uh, Pauline Raskin. But are yeah. these people... She's my favorite. But yeah. who, are these people on TV, though, is what she's saying. Right, right. So she's saying, well, I have a very specific background, and I have brown skin, and I don't see any people like that in the BPRD. Right, so maybe sure. she's like, hey, maybe I can't get in. And he's like, no, you totally could. Right. Because I'm a monster, and I'm also working for the BPRD. So. They, they need to get Ponya on TV more often. Ponya oh, right. on TV, exactly. Ponya. She should be their spokesperson. <laughs> I know. Several thousand-year-old Egyptian mummy lady. But uh, no, I just I, I can definitely feel her frustration, though. I understand that she would feel like, I don't know, maybe you guys wouldn't want me around. But he's he kind of laughs at her, and he's like, well... I'm a fish man. So. Right. <laughs> she asks Abe if he'll be going back, and he says he has some things to figure out. As they talk, Abe mentions Daimyo, and he said the world was on a tipping point. This was back in BPRD Hell on Earth New World. Abe tells Elena he went to the Salton Sea to prove he wasn't part of this. Because of his appearance, people think he had something to do with it. He says he needs to convince everyone. Can I just point out how awesome sebastian Pumara's daimyo is oh yeah i mean we get yeah. it we get like the jaguar daimyo without the beard yeah. and scruffy daimyo right here it's I nice know. to have a whole panel. it makes me think of that panel where he yeah. was like uh he calls him brother or something like that yeah. i really love that i really love that abe moment it's just good to see him yeah it really is abe says he didn't learn anything at the salton sea just how terrible things are getting for people. And so as they're talking, Elena is also tending to his wound. Like Matt said, that's the one that he received from Barry in New Race of Man. Abe says he almost went back to the Bureau, but not yet. Elena says sometimes walking away is good. The world is on a tipping point, see? I bet it's getting old. 
I ran away from it a few years ago, and I don't know if I came back for the right reasons, Abe says. And we see a version of Roger's broken remains behind him. And Elena says he doesn't have to go back. As they talk, Theo Ray comes up, and he offers Abe to stay with them in Arizona. He mentions end times, demons, taking over again after a million years. And he tells Abe all the stuff about the five worlds. There were four worlds before this one. They all ended. Now this one's coming. Last four times the world ended, a god created a new sun. That's how they start the new world. Quetzalcoatl, Gukumats, El Dio Blanca, Viococha, who gave birth to a race of giants. The Aztecs called the great mother, Cotalique, Lady of the Skirt of Snakes, who gave birth to... Koyo Shauki, the goddess of the moon. Anyways, a sun is too big a thing to create, even for a god. And so we've mentioned Quetzalcoatl before, the feathered serpent deity of ancient Mesoamerica culture, and Gukumats is basically the Aztec version of Quetzalcoatl. He's a feathered serpent also. Viracocha is a great creator deity in the pre-Inca and Inca mythology in the Andes region of South America. So these three are like, the they're almost three versions of the same thing, right? And Cotalique, that's um, the serpent skirt, was the earth goddess of life and death in the Aztec mythology. Cotalique had a horrible appearance. She was depicted as a woman wearing a skirt of snakes and a necklace of hearts torn from victims. I mean, that, doesn't sound, that sounds pretty great. That sounds pretty metal. Yeah. Koyoshauki... This is the Aztec goddess of the moon, or Milky Way, who was famously butchered by her brother Huitzilopochtli, the god of war, Jeez. and that's the one that's here. And so you can see she's been like decapitated, and her arms have been cut off, and that's why they're kind of floating there. I really like that effect. Right, yeah. When I was researching this, I went down this whole rabbit hole with yeah. Koyoshauki. It's fucking bad. There's this thing called the Koyoshauki Stone. It's this moonstone. It's this giant. Um, anyway, it's really interesting. Hell if you yeah. want to uh, Google that, it's really interesting to check that out. But anyway, this this image is amazing of Koyoshauki that Fumara draws here. And as we go back to Theo Ray drawing in the sand, he's drawing the Aztec sunstone, the calendar stone. This depicts the five consecutive worlds of the sun from Aztec mythology. And so this is kind of what he's talking about here. There have been four worlds, and then this is the fifth one. And so the Aztec sunstone, coincidentally, that's the one that we were talking about that was on, on the bathing the, suit. On the bathing suit shirt. Yeah. Yes, All right. Yeah. Holy shit. I'm going to have a little bit more to say about that later. We cut over to some guys sitting around drinking and wishing they were golfing. So these are those militia guys, right? These guys? I don't yeah, like these fucking steel. guys. And suddenly they see all these creepy eyes in the night. And so really nice effect by Fumara. Very good horror element. Isn't it funny that this is basically like a conversation comic book issue? Yeah. It really yeah. is. We've seen some of the most badass imagery, right? Just because of what they're talking about. Yes. They've spared no monster here. <laughs> you know, you you get to see it all. It's it's just the coolest, but it had the potential to be super boring, right? Sure. They're just sitting in the <laughs> desert having a conversation. He's drawing something in the dirt. Oh, wow. Right. But, <laughs> but what he's drawing in the dirt made us think back to 
yeah what arc was that what bprd story was that right it's yeah. so cool man yeah i the, love this story no the ability to tell a story successfully like and make the art dynamic out of just conversation these could all be just be word bubbles that have nothing sure behind yeah behind them just like the big long 80s style on and on. <laughs> but mm-hmm. this like you said they've managed to make it dynamic and beautiful. it's dynamic it's right you yeah. want to be looking at yeah for sure we cut over to condon oregon we see a horse-drawn carriage so we know what that means this right fucking guy gustav <laughs> strobel he's monologuing that the world looks like armageddon to most to any who don't have a place in the new world. And he looks at this dog, and then he freaks out and smashes a window for some this reason. Is a very, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? I had the same reaction. Okay, I think I, it's a I, bit think much. I know why he does it's this. It's a bit much. He gets out of the carriage, and he's like, this will look like Armageddon to most. To any who don't have a place in the new world. And then he sees that dog. He keeps expecting to see, I don't know, something more like pandemonium. Oh, okay. City from hell. Like, he wants to see something where it's like, ah, there's my throne. Here's my palace. This is where I shall rule. But all he sees is like a dog eating trash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and the suffering, maybe he didn't expect to have to actually experience. The suffering of people who don't deserve it. Yeah. It'll look like Armageddon the most. And God damn it, it looks like Armageddon to me, too. This is bullshit. Where, you know, because. When this all started, he was trying to talk to Satan, and he's like, nah, no good. I, I was supposed to rule, you know? Right. I was supposed to be on top of all this, and right. now I'm just like anybody else. And I think that he's so frustrated, he's like, ah, oh, damn it, and he punches that window. Right. right. Well, and it, the whole thing where he says, oh, it's only change. When it comes, it's yeah. not what you expect. And right. so he even yeah. doesn't have control over the, you know, nothing is certain except change, man. He goes right into arrogance. You made the right choice, soldier. Staying with me, you know? And he's like, I feel like he's backpedaling. He's like, all right, I let my emotions get out of hand there. Right. Let me me act like the tough guy again. Yeah. This guy is almost intolerable. (laughs) Yeah. And it also lets us, uh, you know, because Vaughn was deciding whether he was going to stay or not at the end of the last thing. So now we see that Vaughn did stay. He says he wants to see how it turns out. Willis is just like opening the door in the back, like it's unlocked. Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and there's another like, funny panel with him uh, with these muffins on the next page. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But Strobel, he says he wants to go to Seattle. Vaughn says it's the worst he's seen. Perhaps not the worst anymore, Strobel says. And then maybe the black school. I like Willis grabbing at these muffins. What is he doing there? It's good. Yeah, he's hungry. He's hungry. <laughs> so he wants to go back to that weirdo place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why Willis perks up there in the yeah. last panel. When he says the black school, he's like, ooh, even I know what that means. Oh, uh, right? okay. Back in Arizona, we see the zombie just wandering through the desert. Abe, Elena, and Ray drive around. And they drive past this enormous sunstone carving. So again, here is the sunstone. Just in a, is this like a place? Does Not that, ex- that I know does of. Does that exist somewhere? I don't know. I probably should look that up. I'm sure that uh, one of our listeners will let us know. Let's make a note. Abe has not been in the water in a while. In right. A while, yeah. yeah. He's like out in the desert, too. I mean, he's uh, the fish out of water pun is probably a <laughs> Maybe his corny, evolution has provided him definitely with not more corny. stamina. Right. Maybe that's part of his uh, new form. Mm-hmm. Ray tells Abe the Big Bang was God creating a new world. 
Heat from that still powers everything. You feel it here more than other places. The sun of the First World wasn't bright like this. Giants were born out of ashes, of that half-made sun. The gods made earthquakes and sent jaguars to destroy everything. Anyways, in the end, chaos wins. That's what he says. They pull up to this little lake here, so Abe is able to dive in there. Yeah. Not a good line. Because, true, it's just, you know, anyway. Yeah. It actually kind of sort of made me think about, like, it's all, when he said the Big Bang, and it made me think about, like, different life cycles that have been on the planet for the last, because the planet's been here for, like, four billion years. But, sure. And, you know, there's been, like, so many mass extinction events, and so that's basically the world being reborn. Right. Apocalypse and all that, and it's interesting to think about like that. I don't know. Back with the guys who saw the spooky eyes, all those militia guys, they start yelling at this guy walking from a distance. These guys are fucking nerds. And so as he gets closer, we see it's that <laughs> decaying zombie guy or whatever. Official They're like, unless you're in a- <laughs> the, uh, unless you're a legal resident of Phoenix. Shut the fuck up, nerd. <laughs> so <laughs> one of them shoots it. Um, but he almost shoots one of his pals in the process. Oh, fucking... So again, that's part of our well-regulated militia there. This and guy's they, a fucking... so they all start fighting. They start fighting the zombies. You know, and I was so it's so satisfying though. And we cut back to Abe, and just like Matt said, he seems like he was all spaced out, right? They're like, "You okay, Abe?" So you get the idea that he was like kind of not all there. Elena and Ray, they're still in the car driving. They talk more about Elena joining the BPRD. And Ray wonders if they do background checks on the family. I, like I don't this. think that matters anymore, Elena says. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. Not in this day and age. I like the scenery as they pull up to the you know, the river bank and you see all the um rams. Yeah, so they stop to check out these rams, right? And so the they just get out of the car it's beautiful. and they just have this moment here. Her face. Yeah. She's so happy to see these rams. And that's something that they've done such a good job establishing. Yeah. This. I'm not going back, Abe says. What I'm looking for, it's not so that I can go back to the BPRD. As they talk, Ray says that when the fourth world ended, the men were turned into monsters and tore each other apart. So when the gods created the fifth world, they went underground to get the bones of those men. That's what they're made out of. But no sixth world, Abe asks. Ray says... When all this is gone, no one's going to make another world for us. But who knows, maybe another kind of god comes along, makes a really new world. And Abe kind of perks up at this, not because of what Ray said, but because these hammerheads come jumping out, right? Well, okay, just a sec before we move on to that bit of action. I, I During this monologue, there's a lot of really great art. You can feel the warmth. Your eyes are almost adjusting to the setting sun and... The colors here, the cool of the mountain, the warm of the grass. The whole time this monologue is happening, we're seeing, you know, there's a close-up of a ram straight on with like a younger Yeah, they kind right of focus in, in on those two right there. They do focus yeah. on these two, and it's a really, really fucking good panel. It's really yeah. well illustrated, and you get a profile. It's so peaceful. She's kind of settled down in this pose right? that reminds you of the ways that the rams are... Sure, I like that, yeah. ...sitting... And so she's kind of, her body language is very similar 
I think. And that kind of really spoke to me during this scene. Yeah. And I just noticed this right now, right before the hammerheads come out, like Abe sees a wolf. A wolf. And then the wolf starts running away. Yeah. And then he's like, oh shit. So that's happening like at the same time as Ray is and telling And of course me. these horrible gigantic goblin monsters sure. come scrambling over the fucking mountain. They start eating all it's the horrible. rams. Yeah. It's horrible. It's really grisly. It's awful. Really gory way to break up the scene. So far, it's been this kind of like nice peaceful. Yeah, yeah it's kind of a, been this evening. lofty drinking beers, hanging out. Abe, Ray, and Elena jump in the car. They start trying to escape the monsters. Off in the distance, we see the Spring Steel guys. They see this car and they're like, "Ah, we can't let them get to Phoenix." So in the middle of all this, they're still like, "Oh, we can't let those people in." These guys are <laughs> just wow. Yeah, so it's really it's a good moment because Abe. And the crew are leading the hammerhead straight to these guys. This is reminiscent of the Devil's Engine. When uh, Devon and Phoenix uh, were yeah. on the road. And so we already know Carr is no good against these guys. No, unless yeah. he's fake driving off a cliff, right? And, sure. And even then, these these hammerheads are pretty tough to beat. And so they're very vulnerable. These other guys have guns. But remember, didn't Devon just kind of unload on one? Well, remember, yeah. Abe, Abe learned you have to go right up and shoot him in the mouth. Up close, right? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So, so we know that Abe, if anybody in this scene, Abe is the one who has probably got the best uh, strategy and experience with dealing with these things. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we're not going to back down. We got to get these people away from our city. And there's this one <sighs> sad guy in the corner. I love that little panel right there. This guy in yeah. the car. He's like, oh, shit. I don't want to be here. Right? Yeah. These guys fucking suck. But I love that shot coming down the road. Yeah, it's great. Where the furthest thing away is this giant monster. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah. No, it looks great. Uh, it really gives you a sense of scale. Like if you were in a car, like next time you're in a car. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. And it's just. Right. Yeah. This panel actually kind of reminds me of the very end of Terminator where Linda Hamilton is driving her Jeep off towards the mountains and the at the very end of it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's, oh, yeah. But it's mm-hmm. like you know, the, it's kind of a similar layout, but then like it's reversed and it's all coming towards us. Right, right. They crash and the monster flips the car while the militia guys are all shooting at it. So it's this huge scene. Abe pulls Ray out of the wreckage, but the hammerhead swipes at him and he sends Ray flying and he cracks his head on the ground. God, so, look at these panels. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, so that's pretty devastating right there. The monster starts taking out these militia guys as well. They and Elena are all shooting at it. And Abe grabs this gun from the backseat and he just launches into the air to club it in the face. It kind of reminds me how Liz used a club of a gun mm-hmm. to fight right? off monsters yeah. also. Who was it? Uh, we saw it in Reign of the Black Flame too because yeah. I brought up Liz doing that. Right. Like once you run out of bullets, maybe yeah, that was yeah, once you run out of right. bullets, you just start using the gun. I'm going to put that as a, a post for this week of compilation of all these guys using a gun as a weapon. As a club? That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, but he's fearless. This is him from the very beginning of the series when he was in that church and the priest or the reverend turned into a monster. Right, yeah. right. He is fearless. And so Abe, he leads the monster over to one of these wrecked trucks. And then so he shoots the shotgun like directly into it. Like he... <sighs> Like, did he know that he would absorb the blast or that he would live through that? Because that is just insane. That's an insane thing to do. I think it was dire straits. 
It was the last last resort. And so, yeah, amazing work by Fumara and Dave Stewart in this blast. And then so in the aftermath, there's one of these stupid militia guys. He puts his boot on Abe and he starts ordering Elena to get on her knees and put her hands behind her head. And his friend's like, cool it, dude, you know. But this guy, Patrick or whatever, he's like, we caught one. Referring to Abe. fucking also racist for sure. Oh, Mm -hmm. he is the worst of the worst you don't because she's her face look at her she's she's begging she's like oh no i've right, just watched people yeah. i care about get hurt please like i'm just trying to look out for my friends and he's just like no you i'm gonna shoot body parts off you need right. to be still and it's just very no regard for other people's lives it's just very so it's very satisfying to right. see what happens to him so he's like let's he says let's see if those eggheads at acu can figure out what you and then he just gets knocked over. There's this huge boom. So, But ACU, I was trying to look for that. The only thing I can think of was Arizona Christian University. That's in Arizona. And that was the only thing that I could find with ACU on it. So there's this huge boom. And then we there's a nice reveal as we turn over the next page. Yeah. He got what was coming to him, which is good. That- Ram standing over him is just... You immediately know. You immediately he know. He just knocked the life out of this he- guy fucked him up his yeah. fucking ribs and guts are popped out and his fucking bones are sticking out but of their the skin but the stance and the they gave this this rem quite a personality yeah you can tell immediately what's going on which i love the orange eye yeah it reminded me just the pacing of it and everything it kind of reminded me of when leviathan popped up and ate astaroth and the brothers oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. and hellboy and hell ape comes over to elena and she's got like blood on the side of her face, and she's sitting on the ground. And then the next panel, it's a goat with it's a small sheep, horns. yeah, with small horns, kind of like the one that was next to the big ram when they were on that thing. Mm-hmm. So that kind of blew my mind because it's like the whole pan- the whole story is like this: a with the people, and they're subtly mentioning nagwas and all this kind of stuff. And then here you're like, oh, he was in the middle of some supernatural shit. So it's like, mm-hmm. does he attract this kind of stuff? Does he just like stumble into these kind of things? It just, uh, I just really enjoyed that reveal there. It's very subtle, but it's just kind of like, wait, what the shit? What's happening? Well, I feel like she, when she saw him, she recognized she was like, oh, you're, you're like me. And eventually when right. they got to know each other, he was like, well, no, I'm not really like that. Back to that first interaction where she held the gun at him. Yeah. Right. And so... Well, so- so no, she was ahead. chasing a wolf, right? Yes, and yeah. so I wanted to come back to that, right? Yeah. And then the here's the wolf. So maybe she was like, if I follow the wolf, uh, because he's hunting the ram, maybe. Uh, okay. And she's like, my father's a ram right now. Maybe she knew her father had shapeshifted into a ram. Right, right. And I think that was her father that just killed this guy. For sure, right? absolutely. Oh, definitely. definitely. And then was that the one that she was sitting in front of when they were t- when they were all yeah. hanging out and... Stuff like that. So, yeah. Anyway, wow. This panel where... So much. I mean, to have an artist who's so skilled that can draw a ram where you recognize that this is a person from a story you've been reading just by the body language of this ram... It's so, I don't know who else could have pulled this off. I mean, it's real, real fucking good. Right. And so, the, yeah, like you said, like the panel where she's just sitting there, this expression on her face, and then the next panel, right. she's the guy. Go- yeah. And so it's, you know, anyway, this page is incredible. I love it. See, I was thinking that uh, the wolf was her dad, and then they both kind of saw the rams. and Because it looked like the, the monsters ate all the rams. Uh, 
but he may have missed one, the father, obviously. But I was thinking that the father then took the form of the ram while she took the form of the fawn. And then hmm. they went off together. Right. But of oh. course it could have been it could have been like the father was the ram all along and he sits next to the fawn to show her that she can do it too. Right, or something because yeah. like it's like was the fawn her? Like was she They're anyway. not like it's not a fawn. Fawn's deers. Uh, sh- was that little sheep what her? A, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or something. I don't know. There's something about that going back and looking at that scene. No, they're um, they're, sh- they're shamans. Yeah. They're shapeshifters, man. And so there's this then, last little. Go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say, is Abe checking that guy's pulse, or what that's is he what doing I thought. There? Yeah, I think he comes over and he just like inspects the body to make sure that 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 he's dead. And when this is happening, one of the the last militia guy that's left over, he's like, "Hey, you're actually that guy." And then he just runs off when Abe like, looks <laughs> at him. I really like that. And so Abe just gets up. He's all bloodied. The sheep have all run off, and he just he looks at the gun and he just walks off. Well, he looks at the, the truck too. Yeah. Oh yeah. He could have taken a fucking he, truck, but he's he like, I'm gonna wander this. through the desert on foot. Yeah, he doesn't want the civilization thing. Right. right? Yeah. Wow. He's like, we got trucks, guns. Now uh, I don't want to be on the road. Where's that gonna get me? Right. Yeah. Wow. So he, just he really takes a scenic route. Yeah. Really interesting ending to that story. All right, and it leads us right into our next story. Our next story is To the Last Man. This is a three-issue arc published from January to March 2014, written by Mignola and Ali, with art by Max Fumara, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. And so in between that story that we just read and this story was that oming Professor Broom and Abe one-shot, Land of the Dead. We open up on Abe, and so he's been walking, and he comes across the aftermath of this grisly car crash. We see this trail of blood going off from the car. I don't know, um, this just made me think of the Hellboy movies, because in the Del Toro movies, there's this weird thing where they give Abe like this psychic energy thing where he can like do whatever. Right. And then so here, he sees the car crash, and then he envisions this woman being pulled out of the car. And so I was like, what is that? Is That kind of reminded me of that. But I was like, what is that? What, what is happening right there? Okay, it reminded me of more of um, Sherlock. The detective He's type a detective. Shit. Yeah, yes. so his, his brain is also just kind of shifting. He's seeing the action through the evidence. He's, he's looking right, at the scene right. with forensic eyes. Yeah. Okay. And he's running I it like back that. in his head. I like that. Yeah, for sure. That's I got that out of it, too. Good stuff. Also, I will admit I got some of that from Investigation right. Discovery. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen any of these uh, things that you're saying, but I, I get your vibe. I get what yeah, you're saying. Whole, yeah, yeah. Sure. The forensics. Like, he's looking at the blood pattern and the, the correct car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that he realizes something came through that windshield from the outside after it crashed right because see that see that like hand reaching in to get the driver yeah Mm -hmm. i think he's like okay there was like something happened here right Mm -hmm. and then the driver was killed i think he's surmised that well and then there's the blood on the roof of the car and then the trail of blood and all that shit so right yeah. yeah as abe is observing all this we hear vaughn talking to strobel he asks how he brought him back, and we cut back over to them. There are many sources of power in this world, Strobel says. They're at the Oregon-Washington border. Strobel explains that he still has some of his powers. 
He wonders where the new power is and explains to Vaughn that the power he used to bring him and Willis back was a simple power, rooted in the earth itself. In that magic rich Isle of Britain, he says. We see a flashback of Strobel studying. He's got those salamanders all around him. We've seen that imagery before when they mention him. And we also see this image of Abe. This is very reminiscent of this Guy Davis variant cover for BPRD Hell on Earth New World. Oh, I think I remember that cover. Yeah. Yeah, this is pretty intense. I and like, I also like the Go ahead. Salamanders marching around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always feel like I can really hear that image. Like, <laughs> <laughs> little mouths. Um, you know, the more we get to know Strobel, the more I can see why Guilford threw him in the fire. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God he's, damn it, you He's he's a fuckboy. He tells Vaughn that he's more curious about how Abe transformed. Imagine man's undoing may have dwelt beneath your roof for decades, yet your Bureau of Research never thought to cut it open. Your to Bureau look inside. of Research? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so they he's more obsessed did. with that. They almost did. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's all like, you men of science, you sicken me. <laughs> it's just, that's so weird. Back with Abe wandering through Arizona, we see this woman sneaking around, being suspicious, and Abe also sees a police car. Abe approaches the cop, and he just introduces himself. The chief thought Abe was something else, but then recognizes him from the BPRD. Abe tells the chief about the accident he saw on the bridge. And they also see this dog nearby, right? And the chief asks Abe if it's his. I like how he calls him sheriff, and he's like, you know, this ain't the Old West. I'm a chief. Pol- right. A police, not a sheriff. Right. And I'm just like, what's the difference? Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> even know. And yeah, his name is JJ. And so Abe hops in the cop car with him, and we see this girl watching from behind a house. We see them drive off. This ain't good, she says. JJ takes Abe to see these dead horses, right? So this is really gross. These horses were sick, and after they died, they mutated in this pile of fungus bubbles or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I won't be looking at this. So. This is like some Pickens County green yes, wave shit yeah. right here, right? Yeah. Abe inspects it, and he's like, this has to be destroyed. But they can't risk releasing anything. What do you think it is, JJ asks Abe. And Abe pictures men turning into frogs. There's this really nice panel right there. It's really horrific. Fire's the best thing for this, Abe says. So he knows from Liz, like, burning a shit ton of these, right? Yeah. JJ says they need a proper controlled burn, and he wants to introduce Abe to somebody. Give you a chance to help me out, he says. And so we cut to this blonde woman opening the door, and JJ introduces her to Abe as Susie. And I like how he says, don't worry about him. He works for the government. Like, that's all he needs to say, right? He's <laughs> yeah. just this giant fish man. If anything, that makes me worry even more. <laughs> JJ explains that Susie worked at the Tonto National Forest. She can run a controlled burn. The Tonto National Forest encompasses 2,873,200 acres. It's the largest of the six national forests in Arizona and is the fifth largest national forest in the United States. JJ says that while they do that, he's going to go to the golf course. Those squatters making trouble, JJ, Susie asks. The chief says he just wants to introduce himself. You haven't talked to them, Susie asks. How long have they been there, Abe asks. Look, you two going to help me out? And he just starts walking off. Oh, I kind of like that moment, right? So they're already kind of teaming up against yeah. him. And we cut over to 
these cool hippie peeps, right, hanging out at the golf course, playing bongos. Of course, there's somebody going to be playing bongos, right? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like they're running out of food based on their conversation. And as they're talking, JJ comes over to meet Eddie, the community leader. I want to point out one of these guys has all these tattoos. You can see the big guy. You know, he's got tattoos all over his arms. That's my advice to everyone listening. Get tattoos. Gets lots of tattoos. (laughs) The chief tells them that they're okay. And he asks about the car accident. He notices they've got someone cooking in a little drum circle. And we see this suspicious looking guy that's got like a bone, like a very human looking bone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Looks like a leg bone. <laughs> JJ. He doesn't look right either. I mean, he looks decayed, doesn't he? Yeah, a little you're bit. right. At first I didn't notice that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Even the coloring. And his eyes. Eddie asks JJ if they have any stores open. And JJ says to check out the Vita Mart. He tells Eddie, as long as they mean no trouble, no one's going to hassle them. And there's an ominous last panel as JJ walks off like this Eddie guy has like this evil look or whatever. It's like, Ooh. It's like what? <laughs> That's kind of that. <laughs> That's like one of those faces that they make right before, you know, like goes to commercial on a CW show. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Back with Abe, they're putting together supplies. And so I noticed she's pouring citronella. I guess, is that what they use, or I, I it's flammable, I guess? It might be all they've got. Well, I was assuming they're getting, like, whatever kind of, like, oil and, like, petroleum they could, because right. they're mixing it with the uh, styrofoam. Right. Because that like melts station. into it. Sure, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's what you put in, like, tiki torches. Right? Okay, okay. Yeah. This guy, Harry, that's overseeing all this, he says they're going to blow themselves up. And we see someone watching them. Meanwhile, the chief, he goes over and inspects the car accident. Back at the kids at the golf course, they're starting to put it together that Abe told the cop about the accident. And while they're talking, they're tying up this frog and they put it in a cooler or something like like that. that. They're suspicious of Abe. And they know that he was shot in Texas. And then we see this guy, the weird looking guy from earlier. He's like cracking a skull. It's like a little skull. Mm, Yeah. Some weird stuff. Right. So we know now that they're eating people or something. And they're so bones. Yeah. And so this this woman with the short hair, they call her Moreland. We cut over to Abe and he's like washing his hands, but as he's doing that, he's having this weird flashback. I really oh, like this right. panel. We see Phoenix shooting him, and then we also see the egg that the jellyfish hatched from. He's just having a real hard time right now. And he exits the diner. He's got this green hoodie on. I like that. (laughs) And he meets up with Susie and a couple of these other people. And so I didn't know. I didn't understand this where they're like, oh, you should have worn gloves. And he's like, it's fine. I didn't get much on me. What is he talking about? He's talking about the the fungus-y thing. That with the horses. Oh, okay. That's what I thought he was because he just. Oh wait, he just finished talking about his hands. Could have been talking about like the napalm they were making. Oh, that okay. That makes sense. That's why he was washing his hands. So they sit at a table and they discuss the plan. They have to dig a trench and saw some tree limbs. They would usually use convicts from the local jail to help. Don't take offense, boys. One of them jokes. One of the guys mentions he's bet Abe wishes Hellboy was there to help. Didn't I hear he was dead, one of the mass? Don't believe everything you hear, Abe says, as he looks down. And so, in the middle of all this, we cut to the chief. Is this the chief googling Abe? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, they should have made it a uh, Hellboy wiki right here. Oh, yeah, that would have been, <laughs> been great. Cool. 
that'd be good. <laughs> but we get a we get a rare uh, old school Abe from Fumaro. I haven't updated the picture. He's still got his <sighs> man nose. Yeah, and so he's reading about how Abe was shot uh, by Phoenix. That's interesting that that was like that was like national news. Like they were like, "Oh, remember this fish guy? He just got shot." Like well, he's part of the BPR. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so we cut over to these guys. They're digging the trench, and one of them gets sprayed with the mutated horse goo. Ugh, look and at that! It, that yeah. is so disgusting. Yeah, it's not good. Well, it looks like it got into like the roots in the ground, or something. right? And so Abe tells him that he needs to go scrub that off immediately. Yeah. And then he's like, "Well, dig it yourself, you friggin' toad! Like, what? What is he? He's just telling you to go clean yourself, to yeah, take the, care of that." It's just, so many people have a real bad attitude in these books. And yeah, that might be small town mentality. It might also be he was almost done digging that huge trench. Right, you know, he was right. Tired. Yeah. So we cut over to Harry. This was the guy that loans that local store. And remember, the kids were asking which store was open, and that was the one. So he hears someone stealing his stuff. And so we see these people taking these drink containers, and we see the tattoo. So, you know, that kind of ties it together with that guy we saw in the camp earlier. Harry rushes out back, but he doesn't catch them. He just sees, like, a big puddle of soda. So is he looking at porn? Is that what he was doing because his pants were behind his ankles? Oh, yeah, oh yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. He goes. He's ah. like another sight down. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <sighs> he's he's gonna have to go back to just regular magazines. Kind of, <laughs> right? Yeah, kind of reminds me of Carl from Aqua Team. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. So then we see this other guy. He hears something outside. This guy that's watching TV. He goes to go check, but he comes across a dead dog instead. Boo. And so all okay, this. Hold on. Yeah. There's some very rapid fire scene transitioning happening here. Yeah. Right? And you almost don't don't follow it, but it goes from Harry's back to Abe and then to this guy, right? Yeah. And that only gets more intense. I, you just don't see that a lot in comics, right? Yeah. And I think that's a sign that the Abe Sapien series was kind of an experimental area for these creators to try some more inventive storytelling rather than falling back on surefire this always works methodology so just wanted to point that out no you're right as i was putting these notes together it was hard to explain the story because it all kind of the way it wraps around is just it's one of those things where that's why comics are the medium that they are that's why this Imagine. isn't a book that you're reading, right? Um, because yeah, exactly. it it uses the visual format to do something that's a little bit different, where all these kind of storylines are happening simultaneously. So we see them lighting the fire, and this guy goes outside and he ch- finds this dead dog. I think it's the dog from the beginning too, right? Right. But the way these panels are laid out, it's really great because you got the like his trailer like in the top panel, and then it's the bottle on fire flying, and then how they the panels just kind of step down get bigger right and then it it's makes like, an effect yeah. yeah i really like that okay now check this out see this person's jacket the back of their jacket says tractor on it yeah go back to the very first page that car has the same yes, uh, it did. Uh, logo yeah. and icon in the back right so that was potentially their car yeah 
Thank you for pointing that out. I didn't even catch that. They were involved in that after all. Yeah, and so this guy that says tractor, there's some other people there. And by the way, the guy that says tractor, he's missing an arm, right? And there's an, right. uh, there's somebody next to him, and they're watching this guy that discovered the dead dog. They're watching it happening. He runs back into the house, but then as he's running back in, like the door closes, and so he slams into the door. And as this is happening, Abe and the crew are watching the fire burn, and Susie says, Devil's beating his wife with a frying pan. Don't like that. What, Abe asks? Just an old saying, she responds. And so this saying, especially in the southern U.S., is when the sun is shining, yet it's raining. I... I've been told that in Scandinavian countries, they say there's a marriage in Hades for this. And in South America, they say the devil and his wife are dancing. Um, mm. So that's just something that you say when the sun is shining, yet it's raining. Okay, so I've been in the South my entire life, and I honestly have never heard never that. Never right. heard that. Why can't you just say, oh, look, it's raining and the sun is shining. That's nice. Probably a rainbow somewhere. Cool. <laughs> well, I so I did. You gotta anyway, fucking throw some bullshit onto it. That's what I did with like, a cursory Google. This guy that slammed into the door, he's there on the ground, and all these people approach him, and we see that it's that kid Moreland, the girl with the hair, and she's with a bunch of zombies. And this guy cowers, and he says, "I told you guys you can go in whenever you want." So is he like in charge of the cemetery? Because they like cut over to the cemetery. I thought yeah. that was, yeah, right. Mm. Sorry, man, we need something else, Moreland says. Get him. And then he's like, I. Yeah, what is that? The Wilhelm so, scream. Do you ever notice that spells Alley? Right, it does, yeah. <laughs> it's in all of his books, even outside of Hellboy. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. So I guess this means that they need a living person this time. Ah, okay. And maybe that accident, the car accident, same thing. They initiated a car accident in order to nab some living bodies, maybe. Mm, right. Yeah. And now they're zombies, and so he's so maybe this is like okay, okay, first and second generation zombie, and right. now he's third generation zombie, or yeah, that makes sense. But pretty intense ending to the first oh that's where the issue break is because it, it just goes straight to the next one here in the oh, okay yeah version. so that's that's the end of the first issue yeah so with this next issue we are back with abe and they watch the fire and abe hikes up his pants just like jj's dad and we get a good look at his hoodie it says dukes and it has a shamrock on it this is the logo of scott dale's favorite hangout since 1998 Founded by the father-daughter team of Al and Jackie McCarthy's Duke Sports Bar and Grill has been a Scottsdale favorite since 1998. And so it's this exact logo. I'll have That's to post awesome. it. It's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if we put a red shirt into a comic book. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and so Abe says he's hiking up his pants because it looks like he's wearing midriff. Because he's so tall, right? Aww. It barely like it, you know, doesn't cover all of it. <laughs> He's like, I bet I'd rather have some high waters than show my midriff. And he says the fire is napalm with a little kick. I've seen the fire take care of this sort of thing before. And then we get this panel, right? So is he looking at Susie? But like, it kind of looks like Liz, right? That's what it reminded yeah. me of. And he says, I've seen this kind of thing before. Like, right. does her standing oh. in front of the fire 
make him think of Liz because she obviously has blonde hair, but in this panel right here, because right. she's ta- but where she's standing, just a really good job with the color. Anyway, that's the sense that I got from it. Abe asks the chief about the kids on the golf course, but the chief gets kind of pissy with him and starts walking off. He says that Abe doesn't need to worry about them. Back with Strobel in Washington, Vaughn tells Strobel that he's mad for wanting to go to Seattle. You're not going to find anyone in that town alive. And as he's talking, we're also see this panel with Abe and Susie. And there is like, you know, it's kind of, I feel like it's trying to tell us that there's some sort of romantic element or I don't know. No. A fire burning between them. Yeah. (laughs) Like literally. Literally. I feel like no. I just wondered why that panel was there. You know, anyway. It's hearkening back to that parallel that you were talking about. Okay. I mean, I do love the constant overlap of dialogue from other scenes on right top of, yeah 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 back with strobel in washington strobel mentions another disciple who called him mad and threw him in a fire but that's a story for another time maybe witchcraft and demonology that was that strobel story that we read but it actually hadn't come out yet when this story had come out oh so i wonder neat. if they were hinting at it since that was they knew that that was coming down the pipe i'm not your disciple i'm your slave vaughn says as you say, Strobel responds. Back with Abe. So I actually didn't look this up. Is this like an actual movie? Did you look this up, man? Yeah. To The Last Man? Well, I already know it is. Yeah, this guy, uh, Zane Gray. My dad he used to did. read all of his books. Yeah, and, and Randolph Scott. I mean, they, I think it was, Randolph Scott's the director, right? It says that, that here. Right? Yeah, it says Randolph Scott. Yeah. yeah, so he did a lot of really great westerns. He was originally like an assistant director. I forget the guy's name for the guy that did like Ben Hur and the Ten Commandments and all that. Uh, DeMille. So he's been involved in a lot of really cool movies. But here's the thing: remember uh, what was the movie in Lobster Johnson that they had just seen in the Burning Hand? The oh, Passionate right. Plumber. Yeah. Yeah, the Passionate Plumber. <laughs> so that that was a remake of a silent film done as a talkie. And so is this, To the ah, Last Man. okay. And nice. so this was about a feud. I think it might have been over a woman, but it was like two feuding families. Okay. And one guy ended up in jail. I think somebody got killed and he had to go to jail. The movie starts with him getting out of jail and going to get revenge. It's a revenge movie. Nice. Okay. But a classic Western. So I'm not really sure why... Or like how it works here, right? You know? Yeah, because that is I, the I name of the story. I didn't see a direct. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see a direct parallel, but hmm. whatever. Back with Abe, he assures Susie he can walk back to his hotel. And again, I just love how Fumara does these little touches to make him subtly kind of look drunk, you know, a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. He's really talking up a storm. Susie leaves, and Abe with the chief. He worries that he got in the way of something with Susie and JJ. JJ says his wife left when Houston blew, but says there's nothing between him and Susie. If that was some covert way of determining her availability, JJ tells Abe, we've had all the drama we can handle, you hear me? And then he like chinks glasses with him. I thought that was a neat little okay. moment. The bros know. Yeah, you could swap Abe and Hellboy here. Yeah, for sure. Right? That face that he makes as he, it's like a very acknowledgement kind of face as uh-huh. he like clinks bottles with yeah. him. Back with Strobel. Willis breaks into the store, and Vaughn outside has... Is this a vision of the Pickens County Horror? Right? Is that oh, what that right, says? Right, right. Is that what this is? Seattle. 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 Oh, Seattle, yeah. 
yeah but that's there he amazing is smashing another window oh but this time it was willis to get in yeah yeah okay <laughs> and vaughn also sees this car it says please help written on the windshield yeah, um, it looks like he takes off huh? yeah he just yeah. runs off but there's like salamander that salamander thing that we saw when they brought him back to life it starts to emerge from his wound and so he starts to kind of like lose power gross he falls and strobel picks up the salamander soldier i told you i would have your full service that was not so much as a command as it was an inevitability. Is there like a proximity thing with this uh, power he has over Vaughn? I think that I think it's that salamander that's like driving him or something. And but it's like, like if he gets too far away, it just does the salamander apart? kind of start going back to his struggle? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking that maybe he did something to make the salamander come out. I think I was thinking Strobel did something, but proximity is actually yeah i like that a little bit better yeah back with abe they're continuing to drink at least jj is still drinking we can see and we see a bottle of four roses this is a brand of kentucky straight bourbon whiskey produced by the kirin brewery company of japan the brand's distillery in lawrenceburg kentucky was built in 1910 and is listed on the national register of historic places nice cool and so JJ ends up asking Abe about getting shot. Abe says maybe that changed him. I think that's when I kind of lost the will to go back out and fight, he says. And Abe also mentions Elena from the last story and how they talked about how walking away from a fight you can't win. He says, you'll never believe where she is now. She's a ram running around somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> JJ asks if Abe came looking for a fight. Abe says it's just his conditioning from the Bureau after 30 years. And JJ asks him if he remembers anything before that. Well, actually, what I'm about to tell you, it's classified, but that little, again, those little mannerisms right there. Yeah. Um, is really nice. You can see, like, how he moved his glass suddenly and, like, it was some of the drinks spilled through the air. Leaning, leaning on your arm when you right. say, actually. JJ, you're the only person I've told this to. But I remember Call, Abe says. I'm remembering my life as Call. And we see some of those flashbacks that he's been having. I really like that moment. We cut back to the cemetery, and there's these two goth kids checking it out. Two goth kids. Yeah. (laughs) And they're talking about this weird tombstone, why it's like two people under one gravestone. And they talk about trying to go down to Mexico. They come across some dug-up graves of a four-year-old. And then they run into Moorland and her evil zombie guys. And then they get killed pretty brutally. Really nice zombie work. I also, you know, zombies can be very kind of like played out, but I think they do a really good job. Over at the Best Value Inn where Abe is staying, we get this great sign. Did you read this sign? Anti-God is anti-American. Anti-American is treason. Treason leads to civil war. Wow. Would you say there? uh, (laughs) That's... Just a lot of, wow. Abe stumbles upstairs, and this guy at the front desk, I think we learned his name is Tom, but check out what he's drawing. Yeah. Did you see what he was drawing? Oh, right. Oh. Yeah, so we get that little Abe symbol again. So he thinks he sees something. He goes to notify someone. He, like, knocks on a door. So I think he's going back to Abe. He's like, goddamn freak. And then he's like, hold on a second. Maybe that guy can help me out, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I think he's been researching him, which is why he doodled the little symbol. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but then there's an undead creepster behind him. 
So, so I, I get the impression these things are just everywhere now, yeah. right? And so we see that Abe is snoring, he's sleeping. And while this is happening, we see these like soda bottles being passed between these kids and being put in a grave. And they're like filled with some green substance. Got a lot of weird stuff here all happening at the same time. We see Susie, Abe, JJ, and this guy Shane. They're all sitting at a table. There's a lot of these types of scenes where they're just hanging right, around yeah. sitting. I really like that. Um, it's cool to see Abe just like chilling out. We learn that these kids emptied the bottles before they stole them from Harry. We also learn that JJ does a vlog. Imagine like a typical YouTube video where yeah. he's like, smash the like button. <laughs> yeah, don't forget right. to subscribe. Leave and... a comment. And yeah. hit that bell for Share. notifications. <laughs> yeah. JJ mentions the kids we saw at the cemetery are now missing. Abe says maybe they didn't run off. Maybe the kids at the golf course know something. Jesus, will you drop that? JJ says, getting all defensive. And he says, they aren't the kids that shot you. And he accuses Abe of looking for a fight. And he makes this huge deal out of the whole thing. Everybody in the bar stops to look around. Abe gets up and recalls all the fucked up shit that he saw from the story Dark and Terrible. And he just walks out. This feels like when he walked into the desert. Uh, He's like, you know what? It's like my friend was saying, choose your battles. But also, I've seen where this leads. And everyone's always going to turn on the freak. And everyone wants to get the outsider, you know? Yeah. So he bails. We see this kid with a tied up frog again. We saw that thing earlier. And Susie's talking to JJ. Both scenes are again happening at the same time. Susie basically tells JJ that Abe's not the only one suspicious of those kids. Many, including Susie, think JJ's being easy on those wild kids. JJ reveals that he lost his son in the army, and he doesn't want to judge the kids by how they look. Susie defends Abe and accuses JJ of judging him by how he looks. And meanwhile, these kids are doing... So while he's sticking up for him, these kids are doing some really fucked up shit. They're doing this whole ceremony with a frog, and they've got a skull that they're tying with red thread. They've got that guy, um, I guess the cemetery watchman or whatever from earlier, and they're like burying him alive, basically back with strobel we see that vaughn is back under his control right so whatever happened in that scene he got vaughn back they reach as far as they can go towards seattle with the horse and carriage and it's all fucked up right we see this great double splash page by max fumara and there's like this red goo everywhere is that like the fungus stuff right yeah something yeah and we actually see a skeleton of one of those hammerhead things Mm -hmm. and so i wonder like is that like remnants from when the bprd were there because i know they were in seattle or did that fungus thing like kill that the hammerhead well i think that the fungus stuff is just aftermath from from everything that's happened and i think that's probably just one that got killed by the uh during the battle Mm. i can't remember the seattle story it was always aftermath right yeah yeah they dropped some heavy artillery on some monsters and right right guts and maybe yeah maybe that's what it is i mean and you can even see like the insects flying off the carcass right and then so there's some mystery about how they got past the military cordon since it's a disastrous site and strobel's just like ha 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 i'm mysterious we got past it somehow it's fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) but so it seems like their carriage went unseen past all this shit that should have been there which is interesting 
And then we also see Willis touching the fungus stuff, and Vaughn's like, don't do that. Don't it's do all that. like crawling on his fingers or whatever. Ugh. Back- Why would you? Yeah, I know. Well, he's an undead. He can't talk anymore, so who knows how many faculties he's got left. Back with Abe, he looks for Tom to settle his hotel room bill or whatever, but he only finds the cleaning lady. She says Abe can leave his info at the desk. Abe asks if it's unusual for Tom to be missing in the morning. Sort of, she says, but it's unusual for us to have a fish man living up on the second floor in the desert. He's like, you know so what, I'm not trying to, So I'm not trying to ask a whole lot of questions anymore, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a great little <laughs> comment, I love that. We hear bongo drums again from the kids, and we see Susie gardening in front of her house. So you still garden, I guess, in the apocalypse. Would you still be out well, there even gardening? Even more. <laughs> Twice as much yeah. in the apocalypse. What are you going to eat? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Absolutely. I've got a stash of seeds. And then she just sees Abe, like, bolting down the street. That's not what you want to see. No, yeah. You know, you, that's not a comforting image. Over at the cemetery, this is the weirdest scene, right? To just throw us into this. Like, what is happening here? Okay, there's, like, a grave. I guess that's where they buried the guy alive. And they're drawing, like, a shape in the dirt. And there's then, a lot going on here. And there's one of those zombie things. And it's, like, pouring that stuff from the soda bottles. And there's people playing drums in the background. And there's, like, a <laughs> zombie hanging out. You're just like, what the shit is happening? And we see Eddie and the tattoo guy. Oh, I think we learned his name is Tim. And they see Abe approaching. Uh, 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 Eddie and tattoo guy. There you go. And Eddie's all, like... When he sees Abe, he's like, wow, the town's special guest. It's a nice day out. You know, well... <laughs> They're taking in the rays. Abe asks what they're up to. And again, we see those bottles with the substance in it. Eddie sends Tim away, but not before Abe sizes him up, saying he doesn't have Eddie's good neighbor routine down. Eddie says, you get what's happening in the world, right? I have an idea of what the end has in store for me. You're making me pretty curious about what it'll look like for you. Now you're talking, Abe says, and he just like, he just gives him the hand and he just like sends this guy flying away. So awesome. And then like right then, JJ pulls up in the cop car. It's almost like he was waiting for that to happen or something. Or maybe Susie called him. Oh yeah, yeah. He tells Abe that he's scaring the kids and defends them. Eddie tells him his crew is coming back soon. And we see the crew, they're the ones doing all the ceremony and the they're raising the dead. And so we see that double gravestone again where they were like, isn't that weird? It's like a conjoined twin zombie, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting, yeah. right? Yeah, I really like that. Uh, follows up on that. Over with Strobel, they walk across this wasteland, and Strobel talks about his rival, Antonis Cavellus, an acolyte of Baal. Cavellus worships death. He will know what comes to pass in the pit. Strobel says... I pray I can use his vanity to make him share it. Oh, and there's that monster from BPRD Helena, Seattle. I just realized that. That's the remains of that monster that was on the cover that they destroyed. Oh, right, right. We cut to this woman, and she's like calling for Gary or something, but Gary's being eaten by zombies. (laughs) So that's pretty horrific. This is intense yeah what's happening here at the end of the arc right like they're flipping back and forth we don't even know who that lady is no yeah i love it and the artwork is delivering yes and we also see jj he's getting ready to update his vlog (laughs) and a dead army guy comes from him so yeah like you were saying matt this is happening everywhere that's his son maybe that's exactly what i was thinking oh 
I didn't even catch that. You're right. Fucking sucks. That's why he's like, no, and he starts crying. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I exactly no, thought it was right. his son. You're right. I didn't even make that connection. Good job. Over with Abe, that woman that was calling for Gary, she almost hits him. Is that the same woman, right? She's like speeding past in her car, so she got the hell out of there. But he's about to dive into the water. Isn't that cool how he's like, all right, I'm going in the water. He wasn't oh, going to go in at the beginning. Right. And now he's back at the crime scene. He's like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to have to go in there and look. But then he gets distracted. So he starts running off that way. Strobel sees a swarm of these giant bugs. And he confronts this guy, Antonis. And so this guy comes out. He's like, um, his eyes are all red. As they talk. And now, like, okay, man, I... I'm going to have to paraphrase, but I heard like a a quote from Christopher Nolan who did the Dark Knight trilogy, uh-huh. Batman movies. Oh, yeah. There was an interview he was doing where they were like, you know, some of your critics say that you put too much into your movies. And he goes, my philosophy is, and this is paraphrasing, but my philosophy is if you have a good idea, use it now. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Your next movie is your next batch of ideas. Right. That's that's later. So I feel like Scott and company are doing kind of the same sure, thing yeah. here, right? Yes. I think they're like, okay, and then I agree at the with moment, that, yeah. at the end, we're going to have this moment that's a showdown. And I think they easily could have saved that. It could have been its own single issue, right? right? And they're like, no, nope, put it in now. Yeah. We've, we've got more story to tell later. And I just love that because I can't get enough. You know, I don't want to wait till next month or three months or whatever it is right give it to me now yeah and so as strobel is confronting this guy antonis abe is also coming across this absolutely bloody and destroyed city just an awful aftermath of something i guess all those zombies he walked away the zombies attacked right he missed it he missed the whole thing while this is going on antonis is waxing poetically saying that he pities Strobel's choice of companions on his death march. He won't get any gratitude from this man. And Strobel bows, and he's all like, you're the master. And he begs his pardon because he has no mercy. And Tonus says that Strobel calls him meaningless names. He wants to be called Lucifer. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. But see how they eased us into this? Like, we get the dialogue over top of Abe. Right. Witnessing the aftermath, right? And then you're here. Now yeah. you're all in this scene. And he's like, you know, to your knees, to your knees, right? right. And so it's almost telling us like, okay, you can settle in. We're going we're gonna to watch this now. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that's how you do it. That's how you pack all this story and content sure. in without making it messy, you know? Lucifer tells Strobel that hell is gone. And we get a memorable clang here. I really like that. So, you know, that's hearkening back to Hellboy in Hell. Uh, yeah, I love the uh, little knife flashed right. Hellboy in Hell. That was like really cool to see uh, Max take on the knife. Uh, yeah, I really like that. And Lucifer, he starts strangling Strobel. There's a neat fire effect as this is going on. Like as he strangles him, he Strobel starts to get on fire more and more. He says the new city of Dis rises here as the old world dies. And so the city of Dis, that's from the Divine Comedy, it encompasses the sixth through the ninth circles of hell. And in the dying earth offers up his greatest power, the secret fire, the Vril. The secret fire drives the progenitor of the new race. 
and with them shall unfold a new age, for the damned will be driven here, beneath his boot in the paradise of terror. And so Strobel suddenly sends a swarm of bugs at Lucifer, but he throws Strobel down and starts burning him up. Willis suddenly comes up from behind, but Lucifer starts choking him. And Strobel calls Vaughn for help, but Vaughn, like, resists at first. He's like, no. And then you see Strobel's eyes glow green, and then, like, I guess that's uh, him using his evil magic or whatever. Well, see, what he first did was he used a spell to make Willis grab Lucifer's wrist and And, keep him in place, right? And you were just talking about that earlier, that writing in the air like Edward Gray does. Oh, right, yeah, exactly. Same thing. And so then he's like, okay, now... Let's double team the guy, right? Right. And so Lucifer totally roasts Willis's head. He just totally burns this guy up. But Vaughn cracks his neck. The pacing is so well done leading up to this moment. And then right at the end, then Strobel comes in and starts like saying all this stuff and kicking the dead body after it's already dead. You know what I mean? After the struggle's already yeah. over. Yeah. You forget the value of pawns, you arrogant bastard. Shut up, Vaughn says, and he tackles Strobel. I really love that. That was so awesome. What a great moment. And Strobel, he gets control of Vaughn again. Soldier, you are a fool, but you serve a purpose still. I need someone to mind the horse. Jeez. And Vaughn's like, you and your horse can die here for all I care. I'm done. I'm done with it. Don't be absurd, Strobel says. You just killed a man with whom you have no quarrel, because I bid it. I think you will be my coachman. And then Vaughn's just like, the black school. So he's already coming in. I love how he's like holding his Mm -hmm. head. Like he's trying to resist, but he just can't. I'd wondered if you were listening. Yes, Strobel says. Norway. We cut back to the city, Payson. And this is the narration of the chief doing his vlog. But it could be a lot worse, he says. This is a small town. And it never had much going on. Lately, that felt like a stroke of luck. I always thought of myself as a peace officer, and that truly is one job nowadays. We've all had enough pain. Now Payson has a visitor. I've drank with him. I've talked heart to heart with him. I know he's a good man, whatever else he may be. Abe, if you're watching, you're a good man. I know you're trying to do good. And so we cut over and we see that Kate is actually watching this video. And so she's heard now Abe being referenced. And then so she's talking there to Panya. We see Max Fumara do Marbles, the pelican monkey also. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Not Kevin. Marbles. <laughs> Kevin. <Yes. laughs> Look. Ke- maybe his nickname is Kevin. Yeah. I thought Abe was watching that too because that's him on JJ's couch. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And the last thing he did was upload that video. And I thought maybe he saw the monitor and hit play. That's how I uh, took it, too. Like, it was a transition from him watching the video to pull out to her watching the video. Yeah. And so... Tragic. Kate Kate turns over to Panya. She's like, what can you tell me about Abe? How would I know anything, Panya says. I'm just just an ancient magical mummy. Right. (laughs) He ran out of here before anyone could speak to him. Not true. So, you can't reach out to him with your mind, Kate asks. He's beyond my reach, I am afraid. His intention's unknowable. Perhaps when I'm stronger, Panya says. Yeah, okay. And that's what Kate says to She's like, yeah, maybe I have an idea where he's going. And so we see that she's tracking him on a map. To where he was shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was yeah, good, right? Yeah, it's good right? stuff. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed, I'm really enjoying these Abe Sapien stories. And I just really like um, 
seeing these uh there's a bprd issue that we're going to get to later but seeing these um regular point of view kind of regular type of stories i don't know how to describe it it's um it's just really nice to see these scenes with abe and all the personality that they give him in his new kind of uh you know he's kind of now he's in this new evolved form and with that his personality is kind of evolved i think he's kind of like trying to stretch himself a little bit yeah and this is the bprd on the streets is now just abe sapiens storyline right he's he's your man on the street he's your connection to everything that's going on out there and it is not good right yeah right everywhere he goes it ends up really really bad well it's like you were saying no but it's like you were saying when you have you can stick hellboy wandering through the desert and interesting stuff will just happen and it's kind of like you were saying you stick abe in that same situation and interesting stuff's gonna happen so now we're looking at page 389 in the sketchbook this is in the omnibus version talking about our last story the shape of things to come we get some nice sketches of koyoshauki and here sebastian Fermara writes in parentheses mayan hecate which i thought was really cool and so you see all the designs of that you see also the covers and um, that anecdote that Aubrey was talking about where they wanted Abe's hand on the symbol and all that. We also get to see the cover sketches. Yeah, just some really great work by Max Fumara. We also get this awesome Mignola variant cover. I think this is for issue nine. That's what it says down here at the bottom. Oh, yeah. I did want to bring up something, though. I find it interesting that Abe stumbles upon like a small town, and even though the apocalypse is going on, the small town is still trying to live the life like they lived before they're holding on to the past oh yeah you know because they're drinking in the bar they still have stuff at the store that got delivered a couple of days before there's also someone who somehow imagines that cities and borders are still real that's kind of going on throughout the whole world but i just i just find it interesting like you know even in this small town yeah it's just it's it's just like you know they they can't accept that the world is is changing and moving on right yeah, it's. I found it quite interesting. Man, right. there's this. There's this one issue. I can't wait till we get to it. It's one of my favorite issues of all time. Um, do you know which one I'm talking about, Matt? Uh, it's just like a one shot mm. with Johan, and actually, Johan is a very background character. Anyway, I'll text it to you later. Oh, I do know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we'll get some more Abe Sapien stories next week, and now Aubrey's gonna say all the things. Okay. Aubrey forgot his paper, so let's see what he can do from memory. <laughs> You'll be fine. All right, everybody, share your thoughts on Abe Sapien to the Last Man and The Shape of Things to Come. You can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at Hellboy Book Club Podcast at gmail.com. Sorry, Hellboy Book Club at gmail.com. See, I knew I, that's why I have my paper. <laughs> you can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at Hellboy Book Club at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link in the reading list on our Facebook page. Also, be sure to check out our friends at Mignolaverse for all the great stuff that they do over there. This is impressive. Thank you. Also, a shout out to Paul from Garderhorn for the amazing theme. I mean, we just love your music, dude. Yes. I mean, it's great. And you should all love it, too. Mark Fudel for helping out with the reading order. Uh, fucking everybody. John, for all the hard work he does. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, it's um, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And thank you, all our book club members. Yes. yes thank you, everybody. For, yeah, thank you. I'm going to say that enough. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, for being friends. 
next week, we're sticking around with Abe Sapien. So we're going to be reading Abe Sapien, The Garden, 1, The Healer, Visions, Dreams, and Fishing, and Sacred Places. So you know what to do. Pull out your back issues, your digitals, uh, download them from the internet, um, legally, like Comixology or something, I don't know, or DarkHorse.com. Um, go to your local library. Go library to your library. App, yeah, use the library app. Um, somehow astral project yourself over to your friend's house yeah. while they're reading it and read it that way. <laughs> and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Hub podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Matt Strackbine. And I'm Aubrey Lowe saying, I want to see how it all turns out. Aw. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good job.